The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. I laugh me a laugh, grin me a grin, and then I know that we can win. Dance me a dance, joke me a joke, and blow the clouds away. You gotta play me a tune, I sing me a song, and we can help us life along. Just you and me, come on and see, together we'll be okay. Open the door. Open your heart And then we've got somewhere to start Just turn around Look what we found Today's a brand new day You gotta run with me now I'll show you how The world is waiting Take a bow Show them it's you What you can do Together we do Just get up and spread your wings Spread your wings Follow me through into the sun And we can smile at everyone You gotta join in with me Then we are free It isn't hard to do I said life is a song So just sing along And then we know we can't go wrong Just you and me Come on and sing Together we'll be Here we go. That's that's how you start a show. Dear God, uh, listen. George Galloway is on all this week, but that's from a record. Listen, that's great. That's what that's what records used to sound like, guys. George Galloway is on all this week, um, filling in for James Whale uh, between seven and ten, and he's well worth a listen, right? And we were listening until it got to nine o'clock, and I, I, I have not been, I've not been excited about any new TV show for years. I can't think. I can't think of the oh, the last the last one-off show was when Louis Theroux was talking to alcoholics. That was the one, that was the last time I turned on the television and watched a show as it went out, as opposed to Netflix or you know whatever it was. Um, but tonight at nine o'clock, and it's a series, um, Man Alive. Already, it's my favourite favourite thing. Was it called Last Laugh in Vegas? Yes, and it's ITV. Um, but, uh, you know, and sometimes ITV don't get these kind of shows right. They've got this one spot on. I was worried they've got it spot on. So it's a load of, um, uh, uh, older acts. What, for a brief period in the 90s, we would have called heritage acts. Remember that? When they started referring to people like Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan as heritage acts? That was a thing. So, um, it is, um, Cannon and Ball, Mick Miller, um, Bobby Crush, Bernie Clifton. Anita Harris. Anita Harris, who I met today briefly in the corridors of Good Morning Britain. Oh, be still my beating heart. That woman, that woman has got it. Do you know what I mean? She exudes class and, um, a, 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 a word, a, a very, a great British word that we don't, we don't say now. We, we now say people are fit or horny. She's neither of those things. She's very, very sexy. She is a very 
sexy lady and i mean that in the truest most traditional sense of the word she's got that thing and i have a friend who was also one of these as a youngster mm. showgirls yeah right? they just know how to work it she recognized me or at least she said she did uh, uh, you know who cares whether who she cares? really did i came out of the corridor of good morning britain where i'd, I'd um i'd just been on with um the jersey shore guys yeah, uh, that guy's hair. I was incredible. Extraordinary. Was, I, I couldn't stop staring at it. He must get through. Paulie D. Yeah, he must get through the hair gel. Like, I mean, it was amazing. It was a work of art. They were really nice. Those the three of them. I don't know Jersey Shore, but they realised Paulie D. Smelled amazing. Um and um uh, uh, and they were they were they were through. What was interesting, right? Because Jersey Shore is a huge show. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a huge, huge show. They're they're big stars. They were going around taking selfies, and they were taking pictures of John McCrerick. <laughs> the Jersey Shore dudes were taking pictures of John McCrerick. Um, it was uh, it was beautiful, and and they were lovely. But so did that, and and I had the neck brace on, and there was a really um, uh, and I, I think I might be able to take the neck brace off tomorrow because I, well, I take it off when I sleep, and I had it off for a little bit this afternoon, and it was all right. So I'm going to try and do the show tomorrow without the neck brace. Touchwood. Um, so what? So we, we, we talked about the well on Good Morning Britain, and I'm really disappointed with um, it was Charlotte and it was um, Kate Garraway. Really disappointed because I was told it was going to be a serious, um, like public information piece about. Um, uh, well drops, which is, I, I found out, is the technical, the legal term for what happened to me. Well so drops. at what point did they reveal the tiny wishing well? Because that was a clear well, sign that it was not being taken seriously. I, I walked out when they were talking, it was Shappy. Shappy was there. And oh, your so-called mate. Yeah. And, and the husband of that poor lady that's been in prison for two years in Iran. And uh, they were there because they're doing a comedy night tomorrow night, I think it is, to, to raise awareness and raise funds and things like that. And so I had to walk in quietly and, and go and stand at what they, the, 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 I can't remember what they call it, but stand at the other, other part of the studio. And I got there and there's a tiny little well. And I said, I said, what is this? Because you have to whisper. I said, what is this? They said, oh, it's, it's um, the well. I said, right, well, that is a tiny little well. Safe though. And I said, and you want me to stand next to it? And they said, yeah. And I said, right, okay. Um, right. Supposing I've been a victim of gun crime, would you have me, have me stood next to a gun? Supposing I've been abused, would you have me stand next to an abuser? This is very traumatic for me. And they said, um, what we want you to do is protect... I mean, this is messed up, right, man? This is messed up. We want, we want you to pretend you're down the well and we'll put echo on your voice. And... I'm a professional. So I played along with it. But inside I'm thinking, F you, F you, GMB. Um, and it was, it was awful. It was traumatic and I couldn't do it. And then, and then I went to sit down and Kate Garraway, oh, I, I've got so much time for her. I think she's one of the great, I think she's brilliant, Kate. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and she did the flossing dance right in front of me. Yeah. I wow. Saw both of them. Wowzers. I didn't see Charlotte. Kate was, and Charlotte, I yeah. didn't see Charlotte. I was watching Kate. And, um, Kate was quite fast, wasn't she? And um, and they started joking about it, and then they wanted me to put a coin in the well, and it wasn't the serious piece I was expecting it 
to be. It was, I thought it was mean, I thought it was cruel, uh, I thought it was mocking the afflicted, and I was thinking, well, imagine if, if I come on in a wheelchair. What, what, what would you have had? Wheelchair races? I don't know what the equ- exact equivalent would be, but I found it actually very upsetting. Anyway, um, so I was not in the best of moods on Good Morning Britain this morning, but that's by the by. But uh, what, what made my mood was, as I left, and I came out of my dressing room with the neck brace on, and Anita Harris walked past, because she was about to go on to talk about this last laugh in Vegas. And she turned and she went, oh, hello, oh, what's happened to you? What's happened to your neck? She said, you normally look so beautiful, or gorgeous, beautiful or gorgeous, something like that. And instantly... I was under her spell. If she were a hypnotist, she couldn't have put me under any quicker. And I just started going, oh, Nita. <laughs> and I, I, I was, ah, so that's why you want to take the collar off. N- well. It, it totally is. It is partly, yeah. Wow. And, um, and I said to her, very, you know, because she was going, and I, was, I said, listen, I'm so looking forward to your show tonight. It looks like it was a lot of fun, was it? And she was very unshowbiz. She went, um, well, let's just say it had its moments. Oh, when an old pro hey, like that. Yeah, I know, but you know what I mean? When someone who's been doing it for a long time drops their guard as much as that, they might as well just say it was the worst experience of their life. So we're going to try and get Anita Harris on the show at some point in the next, next week or so. It was, it's such a good program. And we watched it tonight. Sue Pollard. Um, who is the, oh, Jess J- Conrad talks about himself in the third person. Uh, Always yeah, a great uh, sign. Be quiet. Jess is speaking. Well, that was what he said. Uh, yeah, be quiet. Jess is speaking. Whoa. Jess, Jess uh, needs a bigger room. Jess Conrad needs, uh, yeah. What Jess we, needs a mirror, he said. J- Jess needs, needs three rooms. One for him, one for his ego, and one for the wig. Now, feel that burn, huh? Um, and, um, it was, it was so great. And what's, what's apparent from this? is that they all hate Bobby Crush. Yeah, they all hate Bobby Crush. He's obviously a very insecure gentleman, right? Very insecure, because there was some argy-bargy about rooms and argy-bargy about his um, tribute to Liberace being cut from the set. Basically, all these old comics and turns uh, get flown out to Vegas to do a show for Vegas. It's, you know, can they can they make it in Vegas? Of course they will. It'll be rigged, you know, but... Um, and um uh, and, and so for the whole show you're thinking oh that bobby crush is a right one and then the last three or four minutes they had a it was done so beautifully they watched they all watched clips of themselves as much younger and bobby crush watched himself as a, in his 20s he was a very beautiful young man and i use the word beautiful deliberately he looked like a girl that long hair that Prince very valiant thing very on. pretty face and he kind of burst into tears and you kind of think, oh, all right, Bobby, get over yourself. But then he did a lovely little interview away from everyone else to the camera where he talked about um, that clip reminded him what it was like to be a young gay man who hadn't come out to his parents yet because he didn't want to disappoint them, who had no role, gay role models to aspire to, you know, when, when uh, being, being gay hadn't been legal for that long, you know, um, and, um, there was a really uncomfortable scene where he's, he's surrounded by all these, the bevy of beauties in bikinis and stuff. And you kind of, it was just done brilliantly because all of the uh, antagonism that we as viewers might have had towards him at the end, you went, Oh, I get it. 
right, actually, I see, this is going to... And then that was it. And they're being coached by a very peculiar... We don't judge people by their looks, okay? We shouldn't. But very peculiar-looking um, gentleman, wasn't there? The, 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 this, he's like a sort of... He's like a, a, a white Michael Jackson. You make your own jokes at home, please. With fe- the hair was the thing yeah. we kept looking at. He's supposed to be, like, uh, he's got two stars on the Las Vegas Strip. Right. And he's got a, a boulevard named after him. He's a big deal in, in, in Vegas, apparently. Yes. But, yeah, he looked like a kind of, well, he looked like the spitting image puppet of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Like, unfeasibly dark, unfeasibly high, unfeasibly thick hair. It was very... Very strange. Um, it was uh, um, a weird uh, thing, um, and it was. But it was a great show. Can you read that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, it was a it was a great show. It was it was well worth watching, and it is totally, totally, totally going to be my favourite show of all time. I think. I think. So good. And uh, uh, Cannon and Ball, right? You know I've got a soft spot for Cannon Ball. We had Tommy Cannon on the show. Um, Cannon and Ball were so funny. So, so funny. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Um, 87222 is the uh, the text if you want to text to start. Your text with the word talk, 25 pence, plus your network charge. If you want to send an email, you go to talkradio.co.uk. We've got a very special guest coming up uh, next in the guise of uh, Rainbow George, which I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to. Um, uh, So you are listening to The Bold, The Brave, the brand new late night alternative with me, Ian Lee, on Talk Radio. The wild man of late night radio. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. So Limmy, um, who we love on this show, has got a new show coming out. He's got a one-off show this Thursday, I think it is, on BBC Scotland. But you can watch it on the iPlayer afterwards. Called Limmy's Homemade Show. right? And he's basically filmed it. Done the, he's done everything himself. Everything himself, right? And um, they've tweeted. They've tweeted one bit from it. Have you seen the, the, the? Have you seen it? No, I haven't. I'll play it. Right? It's him basically making like a dance track. Okay. And some of you will go, um, what? And some of you will go, that is that is just genius, right? So I'm going to play this, Catherine. You'll have the benefit of seeing it. This is from um, uh, Limmy's Homemade Show. Look at this. This is beautiful. Buckle my shoe, three, four, knock at the door, five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight, lay them straight. One, two, buckle my shoe, three, four, knock at the door, five, six, pick up sticks, seven, eight, lay them straight. Nine, ten, 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 nine, 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 nine,
Wow. That's a grown up. <laughs> That's going to be on telly. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, oh, that's funny, man. That is funny. Um, 87222 uh, is the text number. We don't take phone calls anymore. The show is phone call free. It's a bold, brave new direction and one that we are happy to follow. But we do have special guests. And uh, tonight we are thrilled to uh, say we have got none other than Rainbow George as tonight's guest. Good evening, George. Good evening to you and Catherine. How lovely this is. It's just the three of us. Just gonna the three of us. Going to change the world together. That's what we're going to do. That's the plan. Yeah. That's the plan. How are you doing, George? Uh, if I'm honest, you sound. Uh, the last couple of calls, you've sounded a little bit out of breath. Are you okay? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm, 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 I've still got a few breaths, I think. But maybe, I don't know, maybe this could be the last call ever. Wow. And uh, I, I quite like the feel of that. Oh. If this was the last call ever, what what would I be saying to you? All right, I'll tell you what then, let's play that game, the slightly macabre game. Let's let's say this is the last call you're ever going to make, and this is the last call that we're ever going to take. So, so we are free from the shackles that would normally bind us, and let's see where this goes. Yes. <laughs> well, I... I'm looking forward to April the 14th, of course, and, and the launch of the party to end all political parties, yeah, yeah. the Wonder Party, and w- the journey towards a world of wonders begins at the MAP Music Studio Cafe in Camden on April the 14th, and what? hopefully you're both going to be there to be part of it. I'm there. I'm there, brother. What 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 time does it kick off? Seven o'clock. Then, then I'm there. I'm there. Unless there is a... a, a I do have the, the one caveat, unless there is a an emergency with my children, or, or suddenly my wife gets called into work at very short notice, but but I think... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, George, we're going to be okay. Um, and what... And, and people can go... People listening to this, if you want to come along go, go and say hello to George, say hello to me, then you'd be very, very welcome to. Um, so what are we going to... What are we going to experience on Saturday the 14th at 7pm? Well, it's it's the 33rd anniversary of, of uh, uh, a party I threw at the Camden Palace back back in in 1985, and it was a, a penny to get in, but it was supposed to be three quid to get out, and it didn't work no. because we we were planning to do uh, parties every fortnight, and I was going to release. Uh, uh, a one-hour audio tape at, at uh, e- each of these parties, n- none of which happened other than the first one. And, and so the first tape became renamed as the trailer tape, and and, uh, and the other tapes never... <laughs> never happened. Never materialised. Yeah. Never materialised. Never materialised, but P- Peter Cook was helping me on the tapes, and we we were having conversations that we were recording, and and uh, the, the, the the these were going to feature on the seven tapes, but the, the last tape was going to come out on July the tenth, nineteen eighty five. <laughs> And I was so confident about what I was setting in motion. I, I, I was trying to 
book uh, Wembley Stadium to, to celebrate celebrate it all f- four days later. Yeah, and it turned out <laughs> J- July the tenth w- w- was the day they sunk the Greenpeace ship, the Rainbow Oh God, yes. yeah, I remember that. And a few days later, it was the Live Aid concert, so I, I'd Im- been made to imagine this, this concert that the world could tune into. And uh, and from that point, I became an apprentice prophet, and I've been an apprentice prophet ever since. Leading up to that, I thought I was a real prophet, and I thought I'd been shown the future, and, and uh, I was taken for a kind of ride i suppose just like you 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 were when you fell into the well because i i i totally believe that we're all effectively being remotely controlled to think and do whatever we think and do the only thing that's not controlled is our feelings well there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of philosophers and a lot of psychologists who um agree with you to a certain extent and 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 think that we don't have free will and that um that that we are kind of we're we're passive and everything that we do is is sort of not controlled by our thoughts and by our free will we just we're just watching us do it and then our brain fills in the dots to try and explain to us that the reason i've just picked this pen up off the table is not because my shell of a body was always going to pick that pen up the reason i picked it up is was to illustrate this point do you know it it kind of fills in the, the 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 blanks I think we are free to will, but we're not free to choose. And we can will to do anything. It doesn't mean we're going to be able to do it. But to me, choice is a a total illusion. Do do you know the little limerick? There once was a man who who said, damn. Do do you know No, go on, go on. Let's have it. There once was a man who said, damn. It is borne in on me that I am. An engine that moves in predestinate grooves. I'm not even a bus, I'm a train. There we go, you see. Isn't that great? Isn't that with the wisdom in those few lines there, man? That's great. Well, I suppose it to be true because uh, my, my mystical experiences go back to 1976. Um, Early in 1976, I tried to end my life and swallowed a lot of pills and uh, woke up with the telephone ringing. Some guy who had never, never called me before in the the jewellery trade because I was in Hatton Garden with my dad in those days. Yeah. And um, he... He told me he had some rubies that he wanted me to, wondered if I could sell them for him. This is someone who's never phoned me up yeah. ever before. Yeah. And uh, within a matter of hours, I'd sold his rubies and earned 10,000 quid, which I owed. It was part of the reason I didn't want to be here anymore. Well, I was going to say, why, and, why did you try and kill yourself? It was because you, you were in debt, was it? I was in debt and I couldn't turn to my dad to bail me out because he'd bailed me out in the past and yeah. I just couldn't wow. couldn't 
f- f- face that again. But that, that, that started a, a journey through 76 that ended on January the 7th, 1977. Yeah. And I was taken on a very mystical trip that got very... Uh, not very pleasant to the latter part of it. I, I, I went through several exorcisms, sort of voices in my head that I couldn't get out of my head, and and uh, all, all climaxed on January the 7th, 1977, and I haven't heard a voice in my head since then. Sorry, but, did you say... Uh, you, did you say you, ha- you went through an exorcism? What, an actual... Exorcism. Yes, se- several exorcisms. With, uh, with whom? I, with Catholic priests or with with um, um, I don't it know. There was, f- was a famous exorcist in in Hampstead called Christopher Neil yeah. Smith. If you, if you if you Google, Christopher I've heard the name. Smith, I know the name. Yeah, he he performed thousands of <laughs> of exorcisms, and he he was friendly with uh, R. D. Lang. Yeah, and he and he kept threatening me that if I came back to him, he'd send me to Hardy Lang. Hardy Lang was the was the dude that was giving everyone giving everyone LSD to cope with schizophrenia and stuff, wasn't he? I don't really know if he was doing that, but, but, but po- 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 possibly he was. Didn't I, he I encourage? Did Hardy Lang uh, encourage? Didn't he encourage like people who had, were having like real like schizophrenia and you know real um. Uh, kind of mental trauma. Didn't he encourage them to act it out? Like if someone thought, let's take a, a classic cliched example. If someone thought they were Jesus, he'd get them to. He'd go, yeah, yeah, you're Jesus. Come on, then, let's do. Some, be if you're going to be Jesus, be Jesus in style. I think that was what Lang did. There never was a Jesus. Well, I, well, we, George, you and I know that. But but the poor souls that thought they were Jesus. Yeah, no, I I re- really don't know that much about R.D. Lang. You probably know more than I do. I only met him once, and it was wow. years later, uh, after my exorcisms and things, I then spent uh, the best part of uh, six years trying to write a book about what I'd e- experienced. Yeah. And it, it, it started off, my first title was... Laughing through my tears, and I suppose that's where my rainbow imagery came from. But I, I changed it later, and I started writing it in a in a different way. And I I, I called it uh, a nightingale sang, and uh, I, I was writing a book in which I. I pretended to meet someone that had had my experiences. I wanted to give those experiences to someone else to yeah. tell me, essentially. And, yeah. and uh, But uh, I, I was still trying to complete that book when my my dad died on, on January the 7th, 1983, uh, exactly six years to the day after my last voice in my head essentially yeah and uh i had to come back to london so I, I was i started the first few years of writing i was living in southern ireland and uh the last few on on the south coast here in a 
village called Rustington near, near Bognor. And uh, as I said, when my dad died, I had to come back to London. He, he was a diamond merchant. I, I, I was his one and only son, and he had six daughters and me. And I let, let my dad down very badly by uh, abandoning him, really, chasing after a girlfriend that I'd been living with for a few years, uh, 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 an Irish girl. Um, I'd met her in 1970, 1972. I was coming out of a food shop in Hampstead with a bag of plums, and my Labrador dog, Geronimo. And uh, I, <laughs> I love that. It. It's the detail. It's the detail, Catherine, in all these stories. Just get that little bit of extra detail. You remember exactly what you bought. Yeah, well, I, I just... Our eyes met. I, I offered the bag of plums, and she took a plum. And um, I won her away from... Errol Brown of Hot Chocolate, she was his girlfriend, and, and I said I was cool Ovaltine. So I... I <laughs> and and he, he, he was living in a penthouse flat in Hampstead that I used to live in years earlier. Right. But uh, we, we were t together for three and a half years, and I suppose I... I, I Lost her because I, I I found myself spending most of my evenings at, at the Claremont Club playing backgammon with Lord Lucan and others. And um, hang on, anyway. no, 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 no. And this is why, and we are going to do this, George. And I know we've let, let's get past the fourteenth, and then we're going to do this. But we, Catherine and I, if you're up for it, would love to come and record a podcast series with you. Uh, Maybe we we kind of do we do six episodes, and we interview you, or we we let you chat. We get some of your audio cassettes, and we we put some of those out and put it out as a podcast. Right? I think it'll be the next big thing, as big as Serial, which was huge. But sorry. You used to play cards with Lord Lucan. Backgammon. I, I, I mean, if, if, if when, when his uh, late wife died recently, there was quite a bit about me in in in, in the press, and I, I was the last person to play backgammon with with Lord Lucan, and and uh, I could see that he wasn't his normal self, and 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 uh, he he. He, he he went for a toilet break, and I, I asked one one of his friends what was wrong with him, and uh, his friend told me that that he, he'd gone to Harrods and he'd bought a, a kitten for his children because he was living separately for, yeah. for, for, from the children and his wife, and the kitten had come back through his letterbox with its throat cut. No. And and that's what that's what really tipped him in the direction that that he went in. And oh. and there, there was there was quite a that story was told. Uh, yeah. I had told it uh, a year or so earlier the Daily Mirror did quite a big article yeah. about it at, yeah. at, at, at at the time. But um 
Yes, and now I, I, I've lost myself. No, no, don't. No, well, you, no, you haven't. You haven't, because we're wandering around in meandering, ever-decreasing circles, and I love it, because that's what a good conversation is. Going back to when you were exorcised, do you, do you now, looking back, George, do you genuinely believe that you um, had, I don't know, demons living inside you, or do you think it was a form of mental illness? No, because it, it, it wouldn't have just come to an end as dramatically as That's it right. did. I said, I, I haven't heard a voice since. And it, it started off with me supposing myself to be in communication with a friend of mine who, who died a, a, f- a few years earlier. And, and that's, I, I could he- hear his voice in my head. We, 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 we could have conversations. There were lots of things he wouldn't tell me. He, he said, start, start writing the book and bring it up to this, to, to the present. And then he would answer all the questions that he wasn't prepared to answer at the time. So that's what I did. Why did you have and it? Why did you have the voices exercised then? Why, why did you, why did you not want to keep them? Cause we had, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. Marshall Summers. We had this guy on, right? This American guy, and he's fascinating, George. I think you'd get on with him. And basically, in the late 70s, early 80s, he started hearing voices in his head, right? And um, he, he tried to ignore it, tried to ignore it, and then one day the voice said, you've got to go out into the desert and wait, and I'm going to give you a message. And he did. He went out into the desert, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and eventually he got um, he, he got told to get out a pen and paper and start writing. And th- these books were dictated to him um, from this voice. And we've had him on the show. And, you know, a lot of people would call him a nutcase and a fruitcake and all of that. We had him on. He was absolutely delightful, completely lucid. We had him and his son. Um, and, and his message was nothing but one of peace and one of love and one of there, there is, there is no right religion. There is just a universal God and a universal higher power. And, um, and we've got a huge, um, environmental disaster coming our way and mankind needs to kind of pull together to defeat this. And also, this is where he loses me slightly, defeat, um, uh, uh, an attack from alien forces that may already be here but but very similar you know getting it in in getting that message delivered in a similar way to how you're describing your messages and your voice right but it's uh on 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 january the 7th uh 1977 i i screamed and when i screamed then a, a voice came into my head and said, very authoritative voice, and said, your test is now over. And I demanded an explanation from this voice, and the voice said, be still. And in the next uh, five minutes or so, I suppose, all the voices that had come into my head were allowed to come in one by one and like switched off and and what this authoritative voice was was telling me was that everything that had happened it had been controlling essentially and 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 it was really really a very freaky trip that i went through (laughs) freaky trip Um, george listen i've got to do some ads because i've missed one 
Um, you all right to, to come back in a couple of minutes? I'd love to stay come there. back in a couple of minutes stay and be there. here forever. No, stay there. Don't you put that phone down, brother. Uh, this is the late-night alternative. We don't take phone calls anymore, but we do have excellent, excellent guests. Uh, we've got Rainbow George up uh, for the next, well, however long that we've got. This is the late-night alternative on Talk Radio. Jacked up jive talk for janitors, jazz cats, and gin soaked boys and girls. Jack Commando. <laughs> if you're awake, you're a welcome. I've got five cactus needles stuck in my. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. This is The Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio. Hang on, deaf in one ear. There it is. It's a loose connection. Oh, come on. Come on now. Is the connection loose in your head or in the It's both. It's, it's both. Oh, man. Um, uh, late night alternative. Um, we're not taking phone calls anymore, but we are taking guests. And someone has, someone has tweeted, uh, George sounds like a caller. He ain't in the studio. You might as well just take a few callers now. You've started. No, no, no. We're not taking callers. This is, um, uh, this is a guest. We've had this, this plan for absolutely bloody ages. And George is, uh, is fascinating. Catherine, is there anything you want to ask George? Because I'm, I'm, you're, you're still kind of quite new to the world of George. So many things. Yeah. Aren't, aren't there? Every time there's, a, there's, there's more nuggets that just get fired out. So many things, George. So, this, uh, could we go back to the Irish girl? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. Penny. Yeah. That's so, why. That's why it was a Penny party. It was, oh, uh, even though we we we'd been separate for six years or so by then. But, but it was it was uh, a three it was a three and a half year relationship. And how how old are you now? Seventy seven. And you've never forgotten about this girl. And I, 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 sorry. You've never forgotten about this girl. I still communicate with her occasionally. <laughs> She she got married, had a couple of kids, is now divorced, living in Mallorca. I really wanted to be at, at the party on the fourteenth, but she's it's her birthday, so so she's 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 not going to be at the party on the fourteenth. I don't I don't think so. Anyway. You still in love with her, George? Um, in love with some of the memories. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of her. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, she, she 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 was the love of my life, and I've not been in a relationship since. But uh, as I say, I, I went off into the mystic. She she sent me off into the mystic, and and uh, it's. I don't know this this conversation that we're having. I, I'm just imagining. It could be, could we could have a book together, the three of us, if if, if, if we do this right. So that, it it could be really books, wonderful. Books are such a faff. I, I'm trying to write a book, George, and it's such a writing a book is such hard work, man. It really is. I, 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 tell, tell me about it. Is is I, I did six years yeah. trying to. Trying to write a book and kept finding myself going back to page one. <laughs> it's hard. It, it, it's having that dedication I, I, to sit down and pour it all out, and and you know, I mean, even though, even now typing it, which is way easier than writing it by hand, but typing it on a computer, it's just such hard work. I was when I was li- the first uh, three years or so when I was living in Ireland, I, I made friends with a number of tax exiled writers there. Uh, there was a guy called 
Gordon Thomas. Have you, have you ever heard of Gordon? I don't know Gordon the name Thomas. Gordon Thomas. No. No. Um, I'm trying to think of. He he was originally married to Annie Nightingale. Oh. And uh, <laughs> th- then there was another guy, Ed- Edwin Ward. He was a writer from Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, Frederick Forsyth. Um, lots of them. John Gardner. Have you heard of John Gardner? I know Gardner? the name John Gardner. I certainly know Freddie Forsyth. What, they, they, what, these are people that you used to hang out with? Yes. Well, there was a, a castle on it called Glanmore Castle. Yeah. Which was near to where I was living, and and there, there was a, a German guy, Kurt. He, he, he owned the he, he owned the castle. It was either going to be a Herman and, or a Kurt, wasn't it? Yes, of course. <laughs> and he had three three daughters, three lovely daughters, and a lovely wife. And he, he'd he'd come over to Ireland originally from from East East Germany. And uh, um, he didn't even know the castle was on the land. He, he bought the land, and then he discovered there was a castle on it called Glanmore, Glanmore Castle. Wow. If, you, if you look it up, yeah. it, it, it'll it, it'll come up. And yeah. uh, and he, he was so he was so they were all so nice to me. I mean, I, I I'm Jewish, and 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 so. so, so Palling up with Glanmore it, with Castle it. in County Wicklow. Yeah, flipping it. That's some place. Yeah. I've, I've googled it. That's that's some place to, to to not know was on the land you bought. Blimey! And one day, one day when I was there there for for lunch, Hitler's one of Hitler's bodyguards came. Came and joined us for for for, for, for lunch that day, uh, but, but uh, I don't know. There's so many there's so many stories, but yeah. uh, they, they they went back to Germany, but went after the the war came down because they they they, they were from East Germany, but yeah. they, they they were very lovely, very lovely family and very very, very kind to me. As as was my my landlady, um, I, I lived in in a property called the Arches, and and and, and my landlady, I, I I left her owing her ten thousand quid. But it was uh, ten thousand pounds seems to be the magic number for you. Yeah, no, no, it's it, it, it's uh, it's come up uh, at least. Uh, Five or six critical times yeah. because I I was a gambler I, I was okay until May the first nineteen sixty one when gambling was legalized and everything changed oh. because before before then people used to dream of winning seventy five thousand quid on the football pools and suddenly they could dream of winning money every, every day and yeah. and. Uh, I, I walked into a, a betting shop in the betting shop opened in Hatton Garden, and I walked in there, 
and I, I'd, I'd just come out of an apprenticeship at the end, diamond setting. At the end of my apprenticeship, I was earning five, five quid a week. Uh, four-year, four nearly five-year apprenticeship. But anyway, I walk into this betting shop and they, they're chalking up the names of, of the horses and putting the prices next to them. And my eye focuses on a horse called Only for Life. Yeah. And I put a 33 to 1 and I put a quid on it and it won. So, so, so I, I was hooked from that first bet essentially and, and uh, gambling uh, as it progressed got, got me into a lot of a lot of trouble uh, over the years and uh, I had such a clever father and he had such a stupid son <laughs> but uh, my dad was uh, he was from Vienna he came with my mother from Vienna and they they came into this country on Christmas Eve 1938 and they were chasing after some Swedish count because my dad had given this Swedish count. Uh, Where has this come from? Where has this twist in the tale come from? Why was your dad chasing a Swedish count? Um, he'd given the Swedish count sort of diamonds and jewellery that belonged to his four sisters yeah. and arranged to meet him in Stockholm. And uh, he got to Stockholm, and and the Swedish count ran away a to London, and and uh, because it was Christmas Eve, they, they let my parents in, into the country, yeah, and uh, and it ended up with uh, some case at the Old Bailey, and and uh, my dad got the diamonds. As, and jewellery back, but his four sisters, unfortunately, died in the concentration oh, camps. And, 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 and his brother, his whole family, but, but uh, my mother's family all, all survived. And, and uh, my surname is Reese, means white, and my mother had a, a sister who married someone called Schwartz, which means black. So, so one one sister married a, a Mr. White, and the other married a Mr. Black. And and uh, so my my dad uh, lost uh, four sisters and, and a brother in the concentration camps. And with my mother, he had four daughters and and me. Uh, he, he had two daughters. His first wife had died in, in labor trying to give birth to a son, but he ha had two, two daughters from, from that marriage. Um, all George, my sisters are still they're still yeah. around George listen I'm going to I'm going to interrupt I'm going to say thank you very much for tonight um, you have given us so much I think uh, um, I, I genuinely think and we'll talk about this on the 14th but I think if we do a nice um, little six part Catherine little six part podcast series six or eight parts stuff like there are there are podcast series George that um you know kind of are self-contained within six or eight parts there's one called serial that took the world by storm and there are a couple of others 
I, honestly, I think we do a little six, eight part um, podcast series with you where it's just you talking like you've been talking tonight. We get some bits from your cassettes, your huge, vast cassette collection. Drop some of those in. We put that out once a week. I, I, honestly, I think people will love it, George. I think that's that will reach a bigger audience than a book. I just, I just feel we're going to do something lovely together. I think I, we I are. Feel, well, we have tonight. All... Tonight already, we have tonight. We've had forty minutes of lovely conversation, which I've absolutely loved. So, uh, it, it, we, we're going to, we're going to do stuff, George. Definitely, man. Can I just read Ronnie Carroll's Utopia Utopia? You've got thirty seconds. Not... Can you do it in thirty seconds? Oh, no. No, no, no. Do it right no. next time you come on. We'll have that. Good. George, it's good to sorry, I'm, I'm coughing while I'm talking. It's good to talk to you, man. We'll speak soon. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you, brother. Take care, George. There we go. That's what it's all about. Quality, not quantity. Loads of people on Twitter don't get it. Well, he's a... But he's a caller. No, he's a guest. Yeah, but he's on the phone. Yeah, well, uh, hang on a minute. When we had Dean from Jan and Dean, he was in Los Angeles. He, he was on the phone. A guest doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be sat in the studio with us yeah but he he's on the phone so technically he's a caller so technically we're all guests oh they've got us there flipping it jeez um and everyone on twitter right uh, right right i've been called today i've been called a well nonce right because i was pictured with a tiny well and in the picture on good morning britain i'm looking at the well and it looks like i'm touching my penis i'm not it's just I'm I'm slightly. St- you were tossing at the time. No, I'm. You were tossing. You. Um... It's because I'm stiff. The, with the back. Right. This is getting out of hand. When we come back, we will uh, tell you why I'm not a well nonce. Well, whoa. That sounds wrong. This is go. To, this don't. is go to the adverts. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Each one being 
don't tell the Beatles, but that was a naughty mix. It was a naughty mix. <laughs> I love that song. That the, the, For me, the greatest Beatles album is Revolver. Revolver is the masterpiece that everyone says Sergeant Pepper is. And Sergeant Pepper, I find quite... This looks great. It's, I've, I've grown to like Sergeant Pepper a lot more as I've got older, but... It feels very mechanical and, and, and very kind of processed, whereas Revolver feels much more organic. And it's got two of the Beatles' greatest songs on there. Um, Here, There and Everywhere and For No One. You know that song? Mm. Oh, man. And it reminds me of being in love with Kerry when I was 15. It reminds me... It, it, just... Um, it, oh, those two songs. I wonder if I've got a... a, a um, I wonder if there's a naughty... Hang on a minute. Is this a naughty version of For No One? I don't know. Hang on a second. Your day breaks. Oh, listen to McCartney. Aches, you find that all her listen words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. She wakes up. She makes up. She takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. And in her eyes you see nothing. No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years You can hear him breathe You want her, you need her And yet you don't believe her When she says her love is dead You think she needs you Can't do it. It's too hard for me. And in her eyes you see nothing. No sign of love behind the tears. Cried for no one. A love that should have lasted years. You stay home. She goes out. She says that long ago she knew someone. But now he's gone. She doesn't need him. Your day breaks, your mind aches There will be times when all the things she said will fill your head You won't forget her And in her eyes you see nothing No sign of love behind the tears Cried for no one A love that should have lasted years Isn't it good? I mean, isn't it really... There's so there's just so many of these on oh, listen. Oh, it's him teaching the song to the Beatles. Oh man alive. Um hang on a second, what the hell is this? Sarah, what are you doing? Oh hello. Yeah, we don't we don't have any callers. I'm the guest. No, well you're, well, you're not, because we've not planned to have you on. Oh, that's a shame. Are you well, going to cut me off? Well, you probably will. well, of course I'm going to cut you off. If you were to be a guest, what would you be guest speaking on? Well, I was going to speak about tarot cards. Yeah, oh. Gone. Oh, I was intrigued by that. No, but she's called, she's a caller. She has to go through the proper production channels. Catherine.boyle at talkradio.co.uk. Well, I just... I, I think that was... Can I give her a ring and fix her? Yeah, yeah, for another night. Oh. Well, you can't... No, no, no. You can't have... Uh, no, no, no. That's a caller. No, what are you, what are you talking about? 
Are you backstabbing me now? I bet you're one of the people that's been doing hashtag well nonce. Right, let me say what happened. When I went on Good Morning Britain this morning, okay, I was told two things. One, I would be talking about um, uh, uh, Jersey Shore. And two, that there will be a serious, in-depth look at the problem with well drops. That's the legal, technical term for people who, who fall down. And by the way, if anyone's got um, the contact details for that kid that spent 13 hours in a drain in Los Angeles, I'd like to reach out to him. Um, so, uh, uh, so, so, I did, I did speak to the Jersey Shore, uh, the Jersey Shore people, and uh, but, but the the good morning, the the well thing was a piss take. It was a piss take, right? And they had a tiny little ornamental well, and that has and so there's now a picture that has now become a meme of me with a tiny well, and um it uh um it, and now people are saying that I was because uh, because I had to turn to face the well mm. and my shoulders and everything were so stiff that um it, I had to rest my right my right hand's a little bit limp I had to rest it in my lap it looks like I'm banging no, one out it was when you were tossing the coin in well, that right. picture okay so well you were actually tossing into the well yes well okay fine but um but so now there is a hashtag hashtag well nonce right I am I'm not a nonce and I'm I'm certainly not a well not well no nonces are well let's be honest they they all need um, uh, uh, either castration or treatment certainly need locking up um but I don't want to make light of that and that people will think I have done so yeah so uh, uh, but now it's become a meme now it's become a meme and and and, and that, what that means is people do funny pictures like there was one with me as sheriff sheriff well nonce it's me on a horse how did they get a picture of me on a horse with a neck brace on it? How did they, they do... They can do amazing things. Can they? Days. Yeah. Sheriff Wellnonce. Then there was a picture of the Wellman adverts in the tube, and I thought this was genuine, because I was just looking at it on my phone, but apparently it was doctors. And it's me as the Wellman guy. Um, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And there's, there's all kinds of stuff. So I, I won't stand for that. Well. And also, now, now I'm being trolled by black cab drivers... Um, because I, because I said, right, here's the thing, right? What are you laughing at now? Well. Is this another well nonce? Don't tell him, but there's one of him that looks like the Andrex dog pulling his neck brace near the blooming ornamental well. All these people are being reported to Twitter and to the police. It's as simple as that. It's as, it's as simple as that. Can you go and sort out what's going on out there, please? Thank you very much indeed. It's as simple as that. Um, they're all being reported. That is what is, is happening. So you, just thank you for bringing those to my... Um, attention. Now, I made the mistake of saying that, um, I think, our, um, are our screens saying different things? Maybe they're saying the same thing. Anyway, I think what is, um, I made the mistake tonight. I made two mistakes tonight. First mistake was I got an Uber pool it. Okay, you know an Uber pool it, right? So you get an Uber, it's a cab thing on your app, phone thing, right? And controversial. And, um, it takes you from your place. Uh, Uber pool it is you can share your car with other people. So I got on Uber pool it, right? Because you save a little bit of money. Yeah, for a reason. Yeah, for a reason. So I got in the car and I went to get in the back and the guy said, no, 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 we've got people in the back. You've got to sit in the front. And so I'm sitting in the front. I'm a big man. There was not room, right? And there's these two women in the back. <laughs> and we're going all around the houses just to get them to Euston Station. Okay. It's the most uncomfortable thing. Then they got out. And then as I got out, it popped up on my phone, Mario will be joining you soon. Oh, will he? 
Flipping it. So then we're driving all around the houses again. And we see this dude, Mario, has got loads of bags. And Mario gets in. And get this. Get this. He starts talking to me. A stranger having a conversation. He's not from London, is he? No. And I, I gave him very short shrift, right? And then I finally got here. It took me 40 minutes to get here, right? So that was my first mistake. The second mistake was was going on Twitter and um, telling people how I had um, wh- what public transport I'd used today. Told people I'd, I'd used an Uber. I might as well have been the one doing all the raping. The fe- well, right. Listen, here's the thing. I live. I, I, I don't live in London. I work in London. I use nearly all of the um, uh, public transport facilities that are open to me i use black cabs i use ubers i use mini cabs i use buses and i use the underground i don't use the bikes okay and i use shanks's right so i use all of these things that are open to me um but the the, and listen i understand uh, listen black cab drivers i get it i get it i get it you're fighting for your living i totally totally get it right I, I do. I really, really do. Um, I can't afford to get a black cab all the time. I can't afford it. Even with the, the you know, the jungle money, which I got paid the least out of all of them like, since transpires. I can't afford it, right? When, when I'm, when I can, I do. When I've got my boys with me, I do, because they like it and I like it. And I, I, I love black cab drivers, right? But I can't afford it all the time, okay? And it's not as if, um, and I've, I've had bad experiences in black cab drivers when we tried to get a cab from Heathrow, right? I, you know, fine. Okay, I've had bad mini cab. I've, I've had bad bus drivers. I've had very bad bus drivers. Right? So I get it, right? Um, and I get that you're fighting for your jobs and for your livelihoods. I totally, totally get that, right? But to have... I was called a C. I was called an S. That's shit. Okay. I was... um. I had, I was called a cock jockey. That's homophobic. I had someone, another black cab driver, make a racist joke about the Uber driver. So, you know, kind of playing to the stereotypes. I had someone implied that because some um, uh, radio hosts have been charged with sexual crimes, that all radio hosts are, 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 are sexual predators. And I did reply going... Don't make me say the obvious. You know, we're all thinking John Warboys. We get it was getting into that kind of but, territory. But you hadn't said that. He's no, the one that brought that he up. He brought it up, right? And, and it, it got into it. I'm never listening to you again. You're a tosser. I'm. I, how dare you? You're outraged. All, all, all this abuse, right? Um, and it really. And I know that the, 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 these these very angry, vitriolic ones, the racist one and the homophobic one. I know it's a minority. I do. Because I'm sensible and I'm 44 and and I know and I know it is right, but they're ambassadors for your trade. They they are you know and I get why they're angry, of course, and they're upset. They are ambassadors for your trade and and you know (laughs) to to have about a dozen people at least calling me an C and S. Uh, making out I'm a sexual predator, making homophobic jokes about me, racist jokes. It, 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 it doesn't incline me to go, you know what? I'm going to get a black cab tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to flag down a black cab. You know, you, you know what it's like, guys. You walk in a shop, right? 
And if you get one member of staff that's rude to you in that shop, you go, I'm never going back there again. Go to a restaurant. You get one waiter that's rude to you. You go, I'm never going back to that restaurant again. That's how it works. And to have had the the, the, the barrage, very few. There are a couple of, 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 of cogent um, arguments about what Uber is doing and the, the legality and the insurance and all of that stuff. A couple. But the, the vast majority were, were just abusive and offensive. And I don't get it. I, I, I get the passion. I get the anger. I don't get why it was all piled onto me, particularly when I specified at least twice that I use all forms of public transport. I can't afford to get a black cab all the time. I try and walk more these days. I try and walk more and i got the uber pool you know i get uber from time to time and i got the pool because i thought oh, well let's see what happens maybe i can talk about it on the show i didn't expect it to blow up in my hands hayden what are you doing mate hayden yeah yeah what what are you doing mate i don't know right right what are you doing up at quarter past 11 I don't know. I, I guess it's the, the holidays. You sound, but yeah. you sound about three years old. <laughs> no, I'm I'm actually ten billion years old. Right. All right. Whatever. Whatever. But I bet he's a black cab driver or a well maker. Whatever. We're not taking phone calls, mate. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. There we go. That's, that is Brexit summed up in one phone call. Go to the ads. Dead of Night Discourse for Disco Queens. I'm related to Jedward and Dolly Parton. Dairy Farmers aye, aye. and Distant Fathers. Yeah, whatever. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Doing lots of things that we don't know about, we can't control. On Talk Radio. Yes, great. Steve G. Steve G on Twitter. This one just come in. Always thought you were a decent presenter, Ian, but can't tune in anymore knowing that you use that scummy rape app. I mean, don't make me say the name John Warboys. So I replied, state of this, I also use black cabs, buses, shanks is the tube. Mate, if you feel you have to switch off the best radio show I put off, best radio show in the country because of how I travel and how I can afford to travel, then good luck to you. I mean, it, 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 people aren't listening. People aren't listening. And that's, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Ah, man alive. Um, I'm getting all flustered and discombobulated now. This is why we got rid of the callers. Exactly. No callers. What are these idiots? Who are these? Who are you, Thomas? It just brings back the reality how desperate people are to do well for the team. Um, but, you know, we're not going to win them all. I think we all need Who, to who are you? What is this? Just hideous. I couldn't breathe, and I, I can feel this panic. Right. Right. Well, I don't even wow. know what's going on. That was you. We don't want any phone calls, right? I don't want any phone calls. No phone calls. Okay. Just what is going on? This is this is utter utter utter. This is utter bollocks. <gasps> utter bollocks. Case. Soon. All right. Filming it. Um, I'll film it not this weekend. The weekend after, actually, it's going to go out in October. I've asked them not to talk about um, the well. What have you seen now? What have you seen now? Not Someone's someone. put your face on Wellard. Okay, okay fine. <laughs> okay. That's terrible. Well, that's great news. That's um, that's great news. So I report them? Yeah, yeah, report that, please. That is being reported. Right. So, I'm filming the chase 
uh, next weekend, and um, I had to do a preliminary um, interview today to talk about it and stuff. And um, they phoned up, and here's here's what they said. Right, here is what they said. Um, they said we we want you to win. We want you to win, okay? We, this is what we want. We want you to win. So we're going to make the questions a little bit easier for you. And I kind of thought, well, listen, you know what? I sort of want... I sort of want to have um, a fighting chance, is what I want. It's not a social club. I sort of want to have a fighting chance, okay? Um, but, yeah, okay, give me easy questions. So they asked me... Maybe I'm not supposed to say this. They asked me what topics I was good at and what topics I was not so good at. And um, here's the thing. Here's where I've let myself down. My ego made me tell them I was good at all topics. Now, they went through it. History, I said, yeah, five. Brilliant. There's a one to five, right? History. Well, ask me a historical question. All right. um, Okay. uh, Who? All right. Here we go. Okay, here we go. This is it. This is it. Which king won his uh, future wife over by repeatedly pushing her over in the mud and pulling her hair? Okay, well, you just get your facts from horrible histories. So? Um, it was one of the Henrys. No. Nope. I know it wasn't. It was George II. No. Nope. Yeah, we go. It was one of the Georges. No. Nope. Um, it wasn't King Prince Philip, was it? No. Nope. Okay, who was it? William the Conqueror. Oh, well, Matilda. that's a stupid question. That, question. That, that's not. It's a stupid. That's a stupid question. Do you want another one? No, um, no, not really. Because you, you you just come up with stupid questions. It would appear. Um, geography. I said five. Um, fashion. I said five. Really? Yeah. Fashion. Okay. I said Fashion. I said five. Um, okay. Which fashion designer came up with a new look? Just right. Can you go out and sort everything out, please? Because I'm starting to get annoyed now. Right. I'm starting to get annoyed. Are you avoiding the question? Yeah, yeah, get, get. I was uh, who DKMY Donna Karen. I got that right. Oh my! I got that right. Dear God! Ay, 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 ay. Just, uh, just, you know, I'm starting to lose the will to do this. Ah. Oh, I'm getting very thrown. Hello. I don't want to be thrown. I want to be relaxed. It's like feeding time at the zoo. So they, the latest theory is that Maddie fell down a well. That's the latest theory. Right. A detective who rejected the opportunity to head the Madeleine McCann inquiry believes finding her could be almost impossible. Colin Sutton told a TV documentary that her body could have been buried down any one of 600 ancient wells. Oh, my God. Near the Portuguese resort of Praia de Luz, from where she vanished 2007. 2007. And he predicted the Metropolitan Police stood little chance of finding her, despite recently being handed extra cash to continue their search. Controversial. Sutton said investigators faced a thankless task and added, it's almost impossible without specific intelligence. 
thoughts that would allow you to focus on a specific area. You know, I, 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 you know, I just got a feeling. I got a feeling it's gonna be. We're never. We're never gonna know. The answer to that, we're never going to know the answer to that. No, the longer time goes on, you do wonder. You do wonder. I don't, I'm not one of these that think they did it or, you know, because they get such abuse, the McCann's. It's a horrible, horrible abuse. Cue loads of people tweeting me the websites that prove beyond any doubt that the McCann's did it. Because every time you mention it, you get sent, ah, Ah, but have you read this blog by um, an anonymous uh, officer that actually worked on it and was the first on the scene? Uh, and you give all these facts and all these conspiracy theories that prove, that prove the McCanns did it. David Bedil said something really wise this week. Go on. Conspiracy theories make idiots feel like intellectuals. Ooh. Do you buy any conspiracy theories, then? I don't buy 9-11... I think it was done by, you know, I think it was done by a group of terrorists. Don't buy that the, 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 uh, America were behind it. I don't buy that they blew up the, um, uh, the, 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 sorry? What is this? Is there someone there? Hello? Yeah, put the phone down. No, uh, I'm just calling to confirm that I was the last caller from the other day. No, put the phone down. Yeah. Put the phone down. Because no, we're not taking is... any phone calls. No, I, I no, that. no. I just want to confirm. I'm going to confirm that you're going to get a bunch of fives in your fat gob in a minute. Put the phone down. You put the phone down. You get stuffed. Up your bum. You, you'd love that, wouldn't you? You would. Right. Why is he still here? I don't know why he's still here. Gone. Right, oh. okay. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. He's the reason. Right. I don't know who this is, but we're not taking calls. Ian, I've got something important. I don't, I don't care, Jerry. We, we don't take phone calls anymore. Take, take me off her, Right, I don't, we don't take phone calls anymore. Gosh, when will they learn? So, um, so I'm doing the chase, right? And, um, it's me. Me, Shappy. Jenny McAlpine, Fizz from Coronation Street. Stanley Johnson. And what that means is that we're going to spend at least two hours of the show pre-record um, having the rules explained to us in minute detail. It's all we do in Australia with Stanley. We go, okay, well, can you just go over the rules? He goes, Stanley, let him finish reading the rules once, and then you can ask your poxy question about whether you're supposed to put the bugs in your mouth or down your penis foreskin. I wouldn't mind, but he still got it wrong, and everyone let him off with he it. He was medically exempt from all of them. The counting. So we're doing the chase, and I'm thrilled, right? Um, and I've got to practice the chase, because um, I'll be fine at that. Which fashion designer came up with a new look? Well, that's irrelevant. The, the question, they asked me 20 questions on the phone. I got 11 right. I would have got, got two or three more right, but I was in a noisy Starbucks, and I was getting bored. Right. So it had been quite a long phone call of about eight or nine minutes. Okay. So it had been going on for quite a bit. I was bored. Yeah. But I got... DKMY, Donna Karen, I got that. Well, that if, was, no, no, no. If that's the question you're in. Yeah, exactly. That was the question in that, that was the question then. And, um, and I got it right. Donna Karen. Donna Karen. They asked, uh, if I, I'm trying to think of another question that they asked me. Um, oh, let me think of one that they, oh, okay. What 
Roman structure. Hang on a minute. I mean, I got, wait, I got to Google it because I can't quite remember the question, but I know I got the answer right. Hang, yeah. I, got, I got that. I got that. So let me just. Um... Right, who is who is that? Listen, you well not all right? <gasps> Why did you call me? A well not right. Right, well nonce and a tip. Right. <gasps> okay. What Roman structure's highest point is? Uh, right. Who is there? Uh, We're not uh, taking phone calls. Uh, Here we go. What Roman structure's highest point is at windshields? What? Windshields? What Roman structure's highest point is at windshields? I got this. All right. It's got to be an easy one then. No, no, no. Sometimes you've just got to take a punt. Yeah. Sometimes it's a calculated guess. That's the... the... Coliseum? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, I'll make it easy for you. Windshields is in the United Kingdom. Oh, Hadrian's Wall, then. Yeah, but you're out because you said the Coliseum because you're an idiot. Windshields is obviously a British name. I, obviously. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know what that meant. Well, yeah, well, it, it's obvious. You've got to work out. Here's the thing about general knowledge, right? You don't actually have to know everything. Gen- <laughs> I've done that. I've done that because I'm so angry. Sorry, Periscopers. And you- what is going on? even is this? Right. I, I'm, I'm really starting I to... I don't get... find that funny. Throw Ian Lee down the well so your country can be free. Right. I don't even know how they're getting through now. I don't even know how they're getting through. This is bullshine. So what that is, apologies for the people on uh, the YouTube channel for the, for the foul language, the coarse, uh, that was coarse language and that was beneath me. But what with all the well-nonce stuff, what with all the, the cabbies, what with all of that stuff, it's just... It's getting um, tense again, that's not the not, point, not is it? It's not the point of it. Um, oh, I'll tell you what, let's lighten the mood, let's do a light-hearted story. Please. Freed Pedo. Oh, God. Rolf Harris played a didgeridoo and performed his old songs at a party last week. The disgraced entertainer invited 70 pals and family members to the bash days before his 88th birthday. Harris wanted to thank his guests including former kids' teddy favourite Timmy Mallet, for standing by him during his time in prison for child sex abuse. Mm. This is an interesting one, isn't it? Well, he's out now. Is yep. he supposed to never yeah, yeah. do anything remotely fun again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there'll be people that would say that. Of course there were. Well, then keep him that. in prison. It's interesting, because of course you're... Um, because, of course, you're allowed, once you've been, you come out of prison, of course, you're allowed to have party, birthday parties, and invite, and see friends. And smile. You know, what he did was awful, you know, and, and I, I don't think there's any remorse for from him. I think he would still say he was innocent, it wasn't me, Gov, it was a, it was a stitch-up, when the, the, the due legal process has found him very, very guilty of, you know, crimes against um, children. Rape. Um, but, yeah, once, once you're out of prison... You're allowed to kind of do what you want within 
the confines of the law. I mean, to me, this is like saying free paedophile went to the shops. Like, that's a big scandal. What? Who's this? Right, I don't even know how they're getting through now. Who, who is that? Is your... Is your mummy there? Is, is your mummy there? Is that a child? Is that a cat down a well? Oh! Mm, people are very cruel, aren't they? He was supported by a backing band as he performed hits such as Two Little Boys at his home in Berkshire. Still, the son have had fun with it. There's a caption of picture of him holding a didgeridoo and there's a speech bubble saying, if only we could tie his didgeridoo down. That's a bit inappropriate, isn't it? A source said it was a very jovial night with lots of singing, dancing and joking. Rolf seemed in his element, performing his old hits with the help of a band and with his trusty didgeridoo. Don't forget, of course, we now have conclusive proof that when a source says it is made up, it is completely made up. There were huge cheers after his songs and everyone seemed to have a great time. More than 70 people were invited and Timmy was the best known of all of them. Oh, God. Um, Harris's wife, Olwen. Olwen there is Olwen. It's Olwen, that is. It's a Welsh name, isn't it? It's a Welsh name, is Olwen. 86 was also at the party and stood with a Zimmer frame close to her husband. In case he made a run for it, she could smack him around the head. I'm joking, eh? Come on, guys. The couple's daughter, Bindi, 53, was also there. Artist and TV personality Harris was freed from prison last year. He'd served three years of a near six-year sentence for historic sex crimes aged uh, against girls aged between 7 and 19. Yeah, I don't think they were raped, were they? Well, it could be argued that any inappropriate well, you know, sexual, uh, you know, I, I would argue... From that, a legal point of view. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would argue that the, the, the non-penetrative yeah, sexual acts could absolutely. also be classed as rape. Yeah, but yeah. yes, you're well done for the clarification. Well, just in case, you know what I mean? Just in, you don't want to get sued. You don't want to get sued by a pedo, do you? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the worst kind of... Uh, well, it's not the worst, but that's a, that's a terrible humiliation. Well, we lost jobs because of a bigot, so... <laughs> Oh, didn't we just? Oh, didn't we just? Um, 87-222 is the telephone number if you want to uh, text us. Uh, the uh, Start your text with the word TALK, 25 pence, plus your standard network charge. Charge If you want to email us, you go to talkradio.co.uk. Um, and we're having a little bit of problem with the phones tonight in as much as we don't take phone calls anymore. And somehow, um, some people seem to be sneaking through... Um, I think they've they've found like the studio direct line or something. I don't know. I don't know, but um, we uh, that is out of order. So we will have uh, we will have none of that, um, please. This is the late night alternative on Talk Radio. It's electric. It's eclectic. It's always rule free. It's the late night alternative with that man Ian Lee <laughs> on Talk Radio. Right. This, this, this is this idiot right. on Twitter. King Midas in reverse, except he's an idiot. Leaving the phones up so we can hear every odd ball is obviously a device so you can lose it. If it bothered you that much, then the lines would simply be off air. Is this an experiment? Well done, mate, because you obviously haven't got a clue how um, phone lines in a studio work. But well done. Well done. Fair play. Fair play. You obviously haven't got a clue, mate. And do you know what? You 
are blocked. There we go. Blocked. That'll learn them. Right. Oh, for crying out loud! Actually, this one's quite clever. Um, someone's done, um, you know the pop group Wilson Phillips? Yeah. They've done Wilson Phillips, and, think, and I'm one of them. What but do you think about these new welly boots? Like, right, that's, um, that's, uh... Abuse. Okay. 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 Um... Starting to get annoyed with these people now. Right. Okay. So, um, eight seven triple two. If you want to send us a text, start your text with the word "talk." Twenty five pence plus your standard network charge. Where do you uh, Where do you sit on um, classical music? Some of it I like. Some of it's just headache, isn't it? If any callers get through, um, I'm, we're just going to ignore them, and then an automatic. We've got engineers who are remotely. Um, accessing the phone box thing so we can just, so they're going to just cut them off and we have been told to ignore them. We haven't got faders in here because about a year ago, Paul Ross poured uh, coffee on them. On purpose. On purpose. Um, yeah, I see, I'd like to get, I like a little bit of um, Haydn. I think that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. And you're surprised that I, pr- I pronounced it um, correctly, aren't you? Whistle me one. Because most people say Hayden. Well, I've got um, I don't know if I've got it on this computer. No, I did. About 10, 15 years ago, I heard a bit of Haydn that I liked. And, um, yeah, I have, actually. I believe this is uh, th- this is Haydn, isn't it? I think it's... Is this Haydn? I don't know this particular work. No? Pretty sure that's Haydn. And um Have you got any Rachmaninoff? Uh yes. That's my favourite. Somewhere Rhapsody I... on a theme of Paganini. Yeah, Wonderful. Somewhere, somewhere I, I have. Yeah, here we go. I think this <laughs> Yeah. So moving. Um, I want that at my funeral. My, if I'm completely honest, my favourite, and this is just, is Vaughan Williams, um, The Lark Ascending. Let me, let me play a little bit of it here. Here we go. That just gets me every time. Oh, beautiful. Now, genuinely, Vaughan Williams' Alark Ascending is my favourite bit, because I heard... I t- this is true, and I've, I should have this on here. I've probably, I've probably got it on here. The, 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 the jokes to uh, one... Have I got it on this one? Yeah, oh! L- l- this, honestly, right. Just ignore it. Just ignore it, and it goes... It'll go away. Get in by now. Just ignore it. Uh, this is it. Where is he gone? Just ignore it. Just ignore it, and it goes away. Goes away. Uh, hang on a minute. Oh, d- yeah, yes. Here we go. Play. No, that's not it. Hang on. London's LBC ninety-seven point three. That's not it. No. No. 
Okay, I haven't okay, got well, it. Okay, well, I'll get the Gemini. <laughs> I haven't got it. Um, but it, th- that is amazing, right? And I heard a documentary. I, I listened to, I heard the last, I remember, it, this was years ago, the tail end of a documentary about that piece of music, right? And I was, I was at my computer in the flat I lived in. And I was just, I was just transfixed. I didn't know anything about Vaughan Williams. Didn't know anything. And I just, I was just transfixed. And it was like, flipping out. What, what, what is it? I shazammed it. I shazammed it, right? And, um, God, it's incredible. Didn't his widow or wife live near Alan Bennett? Yeah, they lived, they both lived near Alan Bennett. Um, uh, it, it is, it honestly, there's a bit in it. It goes on for ages. Let me play a little bit. It's 15, 15 minutes long, right? Quite enough, good. There's a bit in it where it just makes me cry. It just, it just suddenly it just hits you. This bit's a little bit fade, but then you get along in it. It's like. That bit's a little bit fake. Get to the end. Get to the end. I can't find it. But it honestly, it's incredible. It's incredible. And it just it just gets you in the chest. And it's... And I, I've never... I, I've had very few uh, profundo experiences like that. And that was that was one of them. You get a bit of duende. Um, I didn't get duende because it was so British. Because he's very British. Very, no, he's not. He's not. He's very English. Very English. Um, but I'd like... Isn't that a Welsh name, though? Uh, no, but it's... Right, that is... Okay. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, because... Um, it, uh, but I'd like to get into classical music. But it's it's the same as going into a record shop and going, I've heard a lot about this, this rock music, and I'd like to get into it. Could you tell me where I should start, please? I mean, what, 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 what do you do with instructions like that? Because, first of all, what is rock... Is rock isn't rock and roll? Is rock like Led Zeppelin? Is is, is rock the Beatles? Would the is pop the Beatles? What? Similarly, so classical music, you have got the Baroque period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all that stuff. And uh, so that, that's have, twiddly, as far as I can understand. I wouldn't have a clue where to start. Obviously, you got, you got your, your big hitters. You've got well, your Beethovens. Is it? Is it? Um, which one is it? Where it's there's like one, there's two of them, but they're like a hundred years apart. Is it Bach? Bach? Isn't there uh, on the two? Strauss. I thought there was there were two Barks, and like there was like Bark. There's like Johann Sebastian. Yeah. But then there's the like organ man. yeah. But then there's like I don't know, Winston Muhammad Bark or something. I don't know. I've literally just picked those names out of um uh, um my my head. But they I, I I maybe it's not too. Anyway, there's two of them, and they're the but they're they're different dudes. What kind of music, like waltzes? I don't really, I don't know. Anyway, very loud and noisy, and completely without artistic merit. It sounds like a brutal verdict from Simon Cowell on some wannabes' musical efforts. I had to talk about the X Factor today on Good Morning Britain, and um, I kind of because I don't want to go on there and be all negative. I seem to be going on there a lot and being um, well. I've never seen it. I don't like it. But I do have very strong feelings about the X Factor. I know you do. Very strong feelings about the X Factor. And I did say, I can't watch it. And um, Kate Garraway said, well, you can't watch it, but it's, it's great. I said, I can't watch it. And it's the auditions in particular that really upset me. She goes, oh, they're the best bits. And so I didn't feel comf- 
confident enough to say, I think the auditions for the X Factor exploit mentally ill people and the deeply untalented. They do. Because to, to, to get onto the, 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 the thing where you're actually stood in front of um, uh, the, the judges, you have to audition in front of, like, some researchers, yeah. right? And what they'll do is they'll get people who are deeply untalented and people who are often, you know, mentally confused and will say, you know, and they're obviously awful and they're the ones that people are going to laugh at, right? And they'll say, wow, I, look, I can't tell you what they're going to do, but I just know that Simon in particular and Louis probably, they're going to love that act. Um, could we get you to sign a release form and then we'll invite you to the televised auditions? I tell you what, when you go in, I mean, I love what you're doing. Could you just give it a little bit more? Mm, and, 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 and I must admit, I laughed at the first few years of it, uh, but then I saw what was going on. I saw the machine. The cruel television is a very cruel place, much crueler than, than, than radio. Although radio can be particularly cruel, particularly if you're you're a bitchy has been, use on a you know God knows what time of the day that no one's listening. Um, oh meow, um, but but television is a very cruel place, and it is like um, Christians to the lions. Mm. You know, it is that that spectacle. We want a spectacle of someone being destroyed, and, and, and we've had pit callers to this show that have gone on that have. Phoned up full of excitement and said, oh, I'm going to be on the X Factor. I'm going to, and you just think, yeah. I know that you're very passionate about what you do. And I know that you're a great believer in what you do. I also know that what you do is so far out of the mainstream that you're going to be a laughing stock. They're going to laugh at you. And, um, but there's nothing really you can say because these people often think that this is. This is the ticket. This is the this is their their chance to shine. And you can understand that. Well, the worst thing is when they've managed to coax them into saying things like, "I'm not going back to work at Asda." Yeah, I can't go back there. You think, yeah. Don't say that. Yeah, don't say that because you may well be back there. Even if you get into the even into, if you get into the rounds, yeah, you may have to go back there. You know, um, I sometimes C wonder whether they've seen it. CJ's just uh, t tweeted me, "Who wrote War of the Worlds?" Well, that of course was Jeff Wayne. That's a great musical. Um, uh, uh, so I, I, I didn't feel confident saying that on yeah. camera, in, you know, in, to, to say, well, actually, I think it's exploitative because I know it's a big show for ITV, and it's you know, uh, as if you know, as if what I'm doing is going to kind of lose them viewers or anything. So I felt a little bit um, bad about it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. They're going to do it remotely. I'm sure you don't want me to go out and... No, it's done. There we go. Um, uh, um, in fact, it's... Ch so this is a top ten classical pieces of music from the Classic FM Hall of Fame. Oh, and uh, they uh, know. And they know, because I don't know if you've ever been in a posh doctor's surgery. Not a common one on, an, on a council estate. I'm talking about a posh one, like the ones where I go to. They will have Classic FM... Oh, mine's Radio 2. But at it's, least it's not heart. Well, it's because you're quite common. Um, you might find some of the posher dentists, like the one I go to, will also have um, a classic FM playing, because it really, it really does... Drown uh, out the screams. It drowns out the, 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 the pained screams. Um, anyway, so here's the top ten. It's, just ignore it and they'll go away. In fact, it's Tchaikovsky's own assessment... 
of his 1812 overture, which was... Oh, that, that was... Yeah, well, just put the phone down, mate, because you're going to get cut off in a second by the engineers anyway. There we go, he did, thank you. Well, that, well I respect... Well, at least, you know, you... It was a little bit... Of gen- Losing focus here. Gentlemanly conduct. It was, it's Tchaikovsky's own assessment of his 1812 overture, which was yesterday revealed as the UK's favourite piece of classical music. It came first in the Classic FM Hall of Fame 2018. Well done, uh, well done, Tchaikovsky. Knocking Ralph Vaughan Williams. Hang on a minute. Is, what? Well, his, his, hey, name, what? his name's Ralph. I thought his Rafe? Na- but I thought his name was Vaughan. <sighs> Is Vaughan Williams his surname? It must stage be. Stage name. No, it must be because we've got Mozart, Beethoven, Vaughan Williams. Ralph Vaughan Williams. Rafe. Maybe I got the wrong. Hang on. Uh, oh, that's us. Yeah, I know, mate. Well done. Uh, as lucky as what I just said there. Maybe I got the wrong thing. Um, Fantasia on a theme. Maybe I got the wrong. I think I might have played the wrong bit of music. Did I? Uh, what is that? Hang on a minute. This might be it. Yeah, this is it. This is it. I played the wrong bit of music. This is it. Uh. This is the Vaughan Williams. Do you know this? Jeez. I'm going to be honest. This bit of music makes me cry and it makes me come. Whoa! So... Could you switch it off, please? Let's get some tissues. It's going to get moist in here. It's, honestly... Listen to it, it's that. Dun, dun. Oh, oh. All right, can you. No, no, no. More, I don't more. want you. Here we go. Oh, can you feel it in your chest? I might put words to this. No, don't spoil it. But you're off. Come back, mummy. You're off, isn't it? Oh, flipping it. He knew what to do with them strings, didn't he? <sighs> you all right? would say that is a stunning bit of music and now part of me's thinking well, can we play the whole 16 minutes of course we can't but um it really is oh oh baby you know what i like chantilly lace and a pretty face it does it man it does it that sunday afternoon is light a candle play that let it f- let it finish and then meditate on it oh god it's i mean it's just it's just, here we go, 13 minutes in. Let's get to the end, listen to the end. resolve at the end oh it's incredible man it's incredible um let's have a break 
The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. I was alone, I took a ride, I didn't know what I would find there. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind there. Ooh, then I suddenly see you. Ooh, did I tell you I need you every single day of my life? You didn't run, you didn't lie, you knew I wanted just to hold you. And had you gone, you knew in time we'd meet again, for I told you. Ooh, you were meant to be near me. And I want you to hear me say we'll be together every day. Somehow, some way What can I do? What can I be? When I'm with you, I want to stay there If I'm true, I'll never leave And if I do, I know the way there Suddenly see you Ooh, did I tell you I need you Every single day of my life Got to get you into my life Somehow, someway I need your love I need your love I need your love I need your love Oh, somehow, someway Got to get you into my life Oh, you hear me? Bloody Lennon. I'll get you, Bloody Lennon. Uh, this is the Late Night Alternative. Uh, we don't take phone calls anymore, although someone has posted, and I found the website where they posted it. They've posted a way you can hack the, the uh, system. We're getting that page taken down. Um, so if we hear anything, we just ignore it, and we move on, and we carry on the, the show as per uh, as per usual. Anyway, number one was Tchaikovsky. Number, uh, oh, he's quite good, yeah. He's good. So um, I thought we could do tonight... We were going to read... Remember ages ago? Lots of new listeners, some some of them won't know. But ages ago, we read um, some chapters from the um, Gene Wilder, one of Gene Wilder's many autobiographies. I believe he's had many autobiographies. And um, uh, uh, and I didn't know how deliciously nuts that book was going to be. And it was quite astounding, quite astounding. And I thought, you know, what, what, what are we going to do now that we don't have callers? OK, well, we, we can read another book. I've got another book here, which I bought for you, Catherine, about a year ago, and you've not read it. No, you can see how far I got. <laughs> don't lose my page. Okay, it's page 51. All right. So this is, right, 
Don't lose my page. I love... Oh, this, is, this is, um... Bloody hell, December 2016. I, I bought that. There's the receipt. You got to page 51. Probably Fall page asleep 50. a lot. Right. So, um... So what? I'm, so this is the Tom Baker autobiography. Who on earth is Tom Baker? Right, it is, without a shadow of a doubt, I would say the most messed up, most honest, most brutal, most raw autobiography um, I've, I've I've ever uh, I've ever read. And I thought we might read some of it for the last hour of the sh- show tonight. Ignore them. Thought- this is government department for homeland security. The British public is being advised to stay in the securing all doors and windows. Okay. They've gone. So this is, uh, who on earth is Tom Baker? And this was written in, um, when was this written? 1997. Introduction. Would you like to go to New Zealand to do a commercial? That's the sort of question an actor likes to hear from his agent in freezing mid-January. Certainly, I replied. What's it about? Oh, pensions, I think, replied Annette, who is the second most beautiful agent in Europe. Does that bother you? The dosh would not be light, and you could take your wife as well. First class. Suddenly, I was desperate to go to New Zealand, but two weeks passed, and I began to forget the offer. I'd also been interviewed twice for the part of an irascible Raj man in a piece about the Indian mutiny. Funny how all the old Raj chaps are seen as irascible. It wasn't a very good part, and I was not keen to go all the way to India just to be irascible. Fortunately, the director, looking again at his video, realised I would be no good, and I was dropped. So to pass the time, I went down to the village and had my hair cut short. Life can be dull in the country, and a haircut can sometimes be high drama. I gave the girl cutter a good tip for laughing at my jokes and went back home. My wife was looking out of the window as I drove on. New Zealand is on, she said. They want you to leave in eight days' time and to do the job as an old Doctor Who. Oh, you've had your hair cut. I spoke to Annette and she confirmed the job and the dosh. June Hudson, one of my favourite designers from the BBC days, agreed to get the costumes ready with the help of angels, the costumiers. And I took my trousers to the cleaners. It was a wild few days. The alterations to the old costumes were done with great tact. June even managed to locate an original scar from Madame Tussauds' waxworks, where I am still unmelted after all these years. The scarf, being 25 feet long, was, along with the boots, the only part of my old costume to fit me. So, eight days later, on a Thursday morning, after a nice ride in a limousine, my wife Sue and I arrived at Heathrow's Terminal 3 and I checked him. I cannot tell you how much I was looking forward to going Air New Zealand. Haymaking in January. Everybody had assured me it was a very special experience. Everybody was right. Why has one of my tickets... uh, I'm afraid one of your tickets has been cancelled, sir, said a charming contralto at the check-in desk. What's a contralto? Um, It's it's the pitch of a voice, isn't it? So it's kind of a medium-rich voice, I'd say. Why has one of my tickets been cancelled, I asked. I don't want to pry, you understand, but I had planned on sitting next to my wife all the way to New Zealand and back on your airline. Would you come with me, madam, said the contralto, and my dear wife meekly followed her out of my sight. Meantime, to avoid falling into a berserk attack, I struck up a conversation with the rather fraught-looking parents of a 14-year-old boy. Their problem dwarfed mine. 
as my wife would not be allowed to sit on my knee all the way across the world, all I needed was another seat. These anxious parents had ordered ten bottles of oxygen for their frail child. But surely nothing has gone wrong, I murmured in bedside tones. I'm afraid it has, said the father sorrowfully. There's no oxygen and the plane leaves in forty minutes. Just then, my wife returned with her helper and told me that a solution could not be found. The impulse for a berserk attack came rushing back, swept to my head in a few pints of blood by the feel of it. The contralto looked at me anxiously. My wife looked at me anxiously. I looked at them both anxiously and wondered how long it had been since an old man went berserk at their check-in desk. My meditation was interrupted by the arrival of one of the airline's male Samaritans clutching a mobile phone. There was a good deal of movement under his clean white shirt in the area of his sternum, as if his heart was trying to break out. His Adam's apple was jumping too. In fact, as he gasped hello to me, I caught a clear view of his... Uvula? Uvula? Uvula. Uvula? Yeah, that's the woggly bit that's oh, in his throat. Yeah, oh, the bit that they that looked Tom like, and Jerry. Yeah. It was fluttering audibly. We may have found a solution, sir, he panted. I smiled encouragingly at him. Yes, sir, we found two seats for you, sir. I clapped my hands gently together in the manner of a sophisticated Jap and said, Why, that's wonderful. The only thing is, sir, added the Samaritan, they're broken. What are broken, I asked. The seat, sir, smiled the saint from customer services. I matched his smile to the millimetre as I inquired. What do you mean by broken? I mean the electronics are not working, sir. I mean you'd not be able to listen to the stereo or hear the soundtrack on the films. It occurred to me that these seats might be just the ticket. No sound? Great. No music or commercials from the airline. Great. The sacred sickness that a moment before might have endangered the man's life receded miraculously, and I nodded my agreement. I wished the anxious parents good luck and said I was sure that Air New Zealand were bound to solve their problem. I mean, look at how quickly they'd sorted mine. As I followed the miracle worker through secret passages which led us aboard in about five minutes and twenty seconds, I thought I heard the price of £800 a bottle being discussed with British Airways. They're in a good bargaining position, I thought. We were ushered onto the plane into our new-found silent seats. To a layman like me, they seemed to be handsome seats. I longed to give myself up to them. As I approached them, my New Zealand guide was called aside for a moment by some other poor pilgrim seeking a miracle. Instantly, the cabin steward appeared at my side. This is the introduction to the to a book about Doctor Who, the the fella that played Doctor. This is the introduction. Do you realise what you're letting yourself in for, sir, with these seats? And he looked at them with cruel contempt. Oh, yes, I answered. We won't be able to hear the soundtracks, that's all. We don't mind at all, in fact. And here I leaned towards him. In fact, we're quite glad not to be able to hear. My wife nodded in agreement, and my relief was profound. It was also brief. But, sir, urged the steward, nothing works in these seats. The lights don't work and the backs won't recline. Swiftly, I tried a seat. The steward disappeared instantly in the ensuing darkness. The reclining button was pressed, and, as a doctor, I could easily and swiftly diagnose the seat as dead. The original fixer now materialised at our elbows and then knelt down. He too had received the latest news, that the seats were dead. 
The steward passed my wife and me a glass of champagne. It was quite good champagne. My latest information, sir, is that these seats are very severely handicapped, sir, whispered the fixer, who couldn't mend the seats. I swigged down my drink. But, pressed the would-be miracle worker, but there is one seat right up front, and if either you, a little bow, or your wife, sir, got a bit fed up, you could always do turn and turn about with the good seat up front. What a great turn of phrase. You could do turn and turn about. My wife was splendid. She just smiled, shook her head and said, I think not, and we left the plane. Sixteen hours after our early morning wakening at home, we left Heathrow on Singapore Airlines, and thirteen hours after that, we arrived in Singapore. We'd been awake for twenty-nine hours. A quick hour and a half in Singapore, where chewing gum is forbidden by law. Uh, Kinder eggs are banned in America, and we saw... Yeah, because they're dangerous. Yeah. But you can have a gun. We saw, um some americans greedily buying up loads of kinder eggs they're going to be the guilty when they realize the toys are crap these days do you know what's banned in japan vic sinex oh yeah vic sinex is banned isn't that funny yeah isn't that funny i remember i Why? took some what's vic's, their problem i don't know i took some vic sinex into japan because i used to be a bit addicted to vic's and i and i was panicking that they were gonna you know do a mccartney on me and, and bang me in jail for 10 days time i would love i would absolutely love someone to um uh, uh, ruth's enjoying the show thank you ruth um i'm glad you're enjoying the show thank you ruth that's very kind of you ruth greenwood there big loves. Uh, um big love no she's enjoying it thank you that means a lot um uh, so I want someone to write. This is what I want. I want two books, or two, either two books or two documentaries about very specific periods in Paul McCartney's career. One is um, his uh, movie, movie flop, Give My Regards to Broad Street, which I find fascinating. Imagine Paul McCartney releasing a movie. He did it in about 1984, 82, 84. Um, and the other is his 10 days he spent inside a Japanese prison. What? Did you not know oh, this? Oh, yeah, because he got busted, didn't he? Got busted with weed. Yeah. Got busted with was a it, lot of weed. Was it not at um, Narita? Uh, I don't know exactly where it was. Um, but it was 1979, because they'd just been to visit John Lennon in New York. And the, the rumour has it that... The, the rumour is that Yoko tipped off the Japanese authorities. Oh, come on. That, well, it's quite a strong rumour that she tipped off the Japanese authorities that he was travelling with a massive bag of weed. And it Tokyo. was in, it was, um, in uh, Linda's handbag. They opened up Linda's handbag and it was there. Uh, but straight away, McCartney went, oh, that's mine. Yeah, that's not hers. None, she didn't know that was hers, mine. And he was in prison for ten days. Ten days, right? And I find it fascinating. The tour was cancelled. Apparently the guards were all singing yesterday to him. Um, but just imagine, you're in Japanese prison for ten days. And you're Paul McCartney, 1980. 1970. No, it would have been 1980, actually, because Lennon died December 1980. And at that point, he was... He, he, you know, climbed his way back to being one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And he's in a Japanese prison. I can see John tipping him off, but not... Yoko, surely. I mean, there's a lot about Yoko, you know. She says a lot. <laughs> um, uh, uh, we, 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 Singapore is... Uh, chewing gum is forbidden. 
30 hours and a half. This next bit was also 12 hours or so. The service was very stylish with a great deal of bowing and smiling. Continuous smiling can get to you after 30 odd hours. Sometimes you have the impression that they're smiling because they know something that you don't. And they probably do. With a smile, what else? A girl delivered a seafood omelette to my wife. But such is the charm of their style, nobody seems to look at the food with anything other than gratitude. The long hours drag by and we are a bit discouraged. Fortunately, my wife is brave and knows something about Buddhism, so she does not despair. I know nothing of such philosophy, so my suffering is meaningless. At last, forty or so hours after getting out of our beds, we arrive, and the seafood omelette begins to do its work. My poor wife looks grey in the face at times and is unsteady on her legs. Christ, I thought, I've come all this way to be a widower. This thought turned out to be alarmist, but she was very sick indeed. Fortunately, we were in a wonderful hotel in the best seats, and there were taps which delivered luxury in torrents. My colleagues were tactful enough not to meet us off the plane, so we were able to crawl discreetly to the beds we had feared we might never see again. After a good long sleep, I met my new employers, and we got ready to shoot some commercials. While I was busy at this, my wife was taken around the sights by wonderfully kind and amusing friends. One evening, my wife and I went to a harbourside restaurant for dinner, and we had a very good time. It was a perfect summer's evening. The food and wine were excellent, and the view over the harbour was quite delightful. The service, too, was perfect. The waiter could not have been more attentive without being in importunate. Is the word. Importunate. G.K. Yeah. Chesterton once said that all dining out begins with fear of the waiter. Oh, I like that. Not in New Zealand, it doesn't. In London, yes. There, dining out begins with fear of the waiter and ends with the same feeling. And as I looked up at our perfect waiter, I nearly passed out. I was looking into the mysterious liquid eyes of Sir Anthony Hopkins. I was stupefied. Why didn't he notice that I was close to fainting? I watched him working his table magic all over the place. A deep melancholy tingled with affection. What? Yes, sadness and love. Old love, to be more exact. In a driven whisper, I remarked on this discovery to my wife. Yes, she said, it is Anthony Hopkins. But what would Sir Anthony be doing as a waiter in New Zealand? In London, one would not be surprised to be waited on by, say, Michael Caine or Jeremy Irons, though, of course, Irons only waits on insomniacs who are very grateful and make up the majority of his fans. But Anthony Hopkins, as a waiter? A butler, yes, we've all seen the remains of the day, but a waiter? At the ferry house in Auckland, New Zealand? Is it possible? As he brought my main dish and placed it in front of me with perfect grace and tact, I allowed my hand to touch his, not in a marked manner, but accidentally, as it were. The effect on me was electric, just like the old days. The effect on Sir Anthony was imperceptible. Perhaps he'd forgotten me, I thought, and my heart dropped like a stone. I saw the wonderful liquid eyes that work their magic on all around me. I saw and remembered that marvellous enigmatic smile of so long ago. He seemed to be paying an awful lot of attention to a rather dreary-looking man with a very high forehead and his blonde female companion who only had one leg. They also felt that they were being served by a knight that evening, and both seemed to be shaking uncontrollably. Looking closer at the blonde, I realised that she did have two legs, but but that in the manner so typical of certain blondes, she was sitting on the invisible one. Soon the whole area realised who the waiter was, and the place simply bristled with static. 
Why doesn't he recognise me? I asked my wife sadly. Perhaps it isn't really Tony Hopkins, she suggested. Perhaps he's just a lookalike. Perhaps he is, I muttered, and I called for the bill. Sir Anthony materialised at my elbow and said, Your bill is taken care of, sir. And he smiled strangely and away he went. Isn't life cruel? As I gaped in astonishment at my wife, another waiter came up and asked me if everything was all right. All right? How could everything be all right? Why didn't I just nod and say, fine, fine, thank you? But no, I said that I understood my bill had been paid and that I was surprised. The waiter knew all about it. He said, the gentleman who paid your bill is at the bar, sir. He says he's an admirer of yours and knows you, sir, and would like to say hello. The romance dropped out of the evening. An admirer? I looked at my wife and sighed. A fan, I whispered. We both guessed that this acceptance of a dinner might lead to two hours of talk on the history of Doctor Who. The waiter offered to lead us, and we got up from our table. I nearly fell into the harbour as I had one last look around for Sir Anthony. We entered the bar, and the waiter signalled towards a tall figure standing in a strong light. He was smiling quizzically at me. I looked at him carefully and was about to say that there was no need for him to pay my bill when a tiny feeling of unease hit me. His steady smile unsettled me for a moment. Then, ever the master of the meaningless and bullshitting inquiry, I said, Is your name Morgan by any chance? The man shook his head, though now his smile seemed ironical. No, he said, My name is Baker, Pierce Baker. I'm your son. Oh. I could taste again the garlic in the lamb I'd just eaten. Piers, I whispered. He nodded and glanced from me to my wife, and still he smiled. I looked towards my wife too and saw that she was smiling with, with real delight. Piers, I thought to myself. It's Piers, my son Piers. I put out my hand to him and he took it firmly, holding on to it. I remember him being born. I remember wanting to call him Solomon and allowing myself to be bullied out of it by Constance the Fury. I said, this is Sue, my wife, and the memories would not stop as I saw him as a baby. I could not have known of the grief to come. My suicide, my attempted murder of Constance, all the losses. Of course I couldn't have known. And now here he was, Pierce. He ordered drinks with great confidence. I looked at him and suddenly I thought, perhaps all yet may be well. Perhaps this is a new beginning. And still he smiled, and it was fine to see him. Oh, Pierce. That's the flipping introduction to the book! And it's great, because he throws it at the end. Yeah, my suicide and the fact I tried to kill my first wife. It's some book, guys! It is some book! Um, uh, Ruth is really enjoying the show. Thank you, Ruth. I appreciate that a lot. Very, very kind words indeed. This is The Late Night Alternative with me, Ian Lee, and Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. Experience the unconventional. Evening, boss. The unpredictable. And the completely unorthodox. Exactly. With rule-free Ian Lee. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I've got no internet for the last four days. On Talk Radio. Read, um, I won't read the, the, the rest of the book. It, it's a cracking book. Uh, Tom Baker's autobiography. It really is. Um, it it really is absolutely stunning. He talks, you know, you talk about mental health. This is twenty years ago, and um, he he goes into talking about suicide. About um, I think he was um, his first wife. I don't know if she physically 
abused him. She might have done. She certainly mentally abused him and belittled him and humiliated him, uh, uh, along with her mother, uh, uh, and made his life an absolute misery. Absolute misery. I mean, it's a, it's a great... It's a great book, and it's... Uh, uh, I met Tom Baker when I was, um... Because my dad used to work at the BBC, right? He used to... And he used to, um... I don't know if he was in charge of it. I always got the impression he ran it, but I don't know if that's true. The props department, right? Um, at the, at the old television centre, which is now a hotel and flats, and actually, strangely enough, that's where Good Morning Britain is moving to. There's still some studios oh, there, yeah. yeah. So next week... They're doing like I think a week of, of the, 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 there's still about three or four studios there apparently, and I'm um, on Tuesday. I'm doing like a, a fake Good Morning Britain, like a, a, a test, a run through from the new studio. So I'll, I'll be doing it, but it won't be on the air. And then I think I'm on Good Morning Britain on Wednesday next week. I think it's a busy old week. Um, but so as kids, quite often on a Saturday, maybe not that often. But we would get to go, me and my sister Jo, would get to go to hang out at the BBC in the props department. And the props department is the cool, is the cool place, right? Because, um, and he'd take us around and he'd show us, you know, like the, the cafes, he used to call them crash bars, bizarrely. And he'd walk us through the studios and we'd walk around and all of this and we'd meet all of his dodgy mates and stuff. And then we'd sit in his office and watch telly. That was it, really. Um, where was his office? Was his office? Because I went in the props department once, and there was like loads of cages. It was like a big warehouse. Yeah, loads ca- of cages. cages yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was there. It was round there somewhere. Oh my! And it just felt as a as a six year old. Can you Google for me Doctor Who Robots of Death? Tom Baker. I think it's called Robots of Death. Just want to know what year it was. Um, I'm going to say seventy nine. Um, as a young kid, five, six, seven, eight, nine year old kid, it was just the most exciting place because you'd be in the crash bar 77 29th of january to 19th of february blimey is there a picture of them show me a picture of the robots of death because i want to make sure i've got that seems that seems particularly early yeah flipping it right okay fine well then i was four when i met tom baker (gasps) right four when i met tom baker and it was in a crash. And you'd see, like, people from the telly all the time. And, you you know, whatever. You see people from the Aneedin line and all of that stuff. But I was in a crash bar, these, these calves, with my dad. And my dad went, here, have a look who's over there. And in strode Tom Baker in full Doctor Who regalia. The hat, the scarf, the boot, full Doctor. And he's, he's a tall bloke. Very tall man. And I just sat there going... Thinking, oh my god, this is this is doc, jeez. And my dad, uh, you know, went, All right, Tom, uh, my boy's a big fan. And Tom Baker strode over, and I'm, I'm just dumbstruck. I'm dumbstruck, and I'm looking up at him, and it's like you're just looking up a mountain. Hello, what's your name, Ian? My name's Tom. Do you like to watch Doctor Who? He said it in this slow, deep voice, and I just went, "Uh huh." And do you hide behind the sofa when it gets to the scary parts? And I went, "Yeah." And then he looked around and he knelt down beside me and he whispered in my ear, "So do I." <laughs> Honestly, it was the most. It was the best performance. And of course, Tom Baker would always have jelly babies. 
And he said, I don't have any jelly babies for you, but here are two sugar cubes. And there's those <laughs> little packets of sugar cubes. And I just went, thank you, thank you. I don't know what I said. I don't know what I said, but it was just... And, and, he, and he walked off. And it was the coolest, most wonderful... Honestly, of all the famous people I've ever met in the last 44 years, that is, without a shadow of a doubt... Just the, the the most impressive because to me, it was doc. It was actually Doctor Who. You know, he was off to go in and get in a TARDIS, and they were filming the robots of death because we saw those robots. We we saw loads of those dudes with their masks off having a cup of coffee and a fag. Incredible, um, and it was it was amazing. But we got to hang around in the props department, and it was all these cages, and you'd walk along, and there'd be a cage with all the play school, doc, you know, Humpty and Hamble pushed up against this thing, and. I mean, we got bored of seeing the TARDIS. You always got to see the TARDIS. It was just there in a corner. This battered old thing. But I tell you, the coolest thing one day, and I wish we'd had a picture of it, was um, we never got to see it, but we saw it once. The inside of the TARDIS was just set up. I guess it must have been a. Stu- it must have been in the studio. Maybe it was in the... Pro- anyway, it was the TARDIS with the, you know, the big walls with the big circles in and the central column and all of that. We weren't allowed to touch it. And it was just, it was the TARDIS. It was just the most amazing thing, man. And I wish, you know, in these days of um, everything is photographed and um, uh, is, everything is, is cap- you know, and there was nothing, of course, you know. I've got no pictures of it. I went on the set of The Young Ones. I, I was in The Young Ones flat. You know, the set of The Young Ones. where The, the, the pay f- I remember standing by the payphone and looking up the stairs and seeing that there was nothing up the stairs and... God, what I would give to have a photograph of that. What I would give to have a photograph of that, man. Jeez, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Um, It's now got me thinking who have been the most impressive famous people. Um, Here's the thing, right? I've, I've met all of the people that I think I want to meet. There's a couple that got away. Jerry Lewis never got. David Cassidy never got. Would love to have sat down and had a proper interview with them but all of the musical ones you know the um brian wilson might love the monkeys interviewed all the monkeys you met roger daltrey made you go wibbly may roger daltrey made me go very let me go very very wibbly it's got to be said i was i mean he's a good looking guy tiny tiny man but a pocket rocket <laughs> just imagine the you know the yes yeah, shagging okay. he's yeah, been got okay. up to um, Townsend, you know, I've introduced the Who on stage. I've been blessed with all of the stuff. I've met, I've, the Kinks, you know, um, Ringo Starr, McCartney, I'd like to. McCartney is a big ambition. I'd love to, I'd love to interview McCartney, but, uh, you know, it's, you never know. I've interviewed Alan Titchmarsh. There we go. Yeah. What was Got winked like? at by Ringo. There you go. Same day. Oh, at Chelsea Flower yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there with Barbara Bach. What an amazing looking woman she yeah, is. Yeah. She's like, I mean, by then they were what they must have been in their fifties or sixties. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, Fussly or uh, no, 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 it? no. It was, I think it was when he was boozing, and for a while, my dad. I don't know a lot about my dad, if I'm honest, because he was a man of mystery. I.e., he was a dodgepot, and um, but for a while he stopped doing props because he wanted to do something a bit more creative. Uh, he wanted to be a writer, was the thing. Um, but he was a floor manager for a bit, and for some reason i don't and he's told me this story when i was a kid and he told it to me again before he died and i still don't quite get the context but the bbc in the early 80s were putting on 
some event. I don't think it was This Is Your Life, but it was something like that. Big thing with a lot of old showbiz tarts in it, right? And um, so there are a lot of famous people there. And Ringo was one of the guests. And my, my dad was charged with going to trying to get him to do an interview. So he went up to... And he'd always say, bloody Ringo Starr, I hate that idiot. He was rude to me. And, and, and it, so he had to go up to Ringo and say, uh, excuse me, Mr. Starr. Um, would you do an interview for the BBC? No, 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 I'm not, no, 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 I'm not interested. He said, well, we could offer you, and this is 1982, early 80s, he said, we can offer you £400 than that on fags in a week. And he saw, and my dad never had a good word to say about Ringo after that, ever. I can understand Every that. time Ringo came on the telly, he'd be like, ah, tosser. Um, but, but Ringo's an amazing thing, amazing guy, because, um, 70s and 80s he was out of it man you know proper blackout wife beating you know but b- both of them knocking each other about and and um you know losing days and it's amazing that he's still alive you know and both of them you know they're very open about the fact that they're in recovery and go to 12 step meetings and um it, and it turned totally turned their life around but they're they're fascinating couple and Ringo always gets um uh he, he, he always gets a lot of stick and I don't get it I don't I think he's brilliant it's an easy joke isn't it it's yeah. a joke that started back then and it's never yeah. gone away I, li- I like Ringo I've got a lot of time for Ringo peace and love man peace and love peace and love peace and love um what do we do for the last 20 minutes Let's decide during these adverts. Set free your mind. Let your fancy take flight. Conversation gets curiouser by the glow of moonlight. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Grant Philpot, you're being reported. Um, Simon Booth, you're a dick. Um, anybody else that we hate now as a direct result? Um, I'm hoping to have this neck brace off tomorrow so I can move a, a little bit easier. And then tomorrow, after tomorrow night's show... It's um, it's very exciting. I'm going to the Isle of Wight straight oh, after the show. I forgot about that. Well, not straight. Well, straight after the show, I'm going to a hotel on the this side of the um, sea, and then really early on the Thursday morning, I'm getting a ferry to the Isle of Wight. I've never been to the Isle of Wight before. No, never been to the Isle of Wight. It's I'll white. take that. I'll take that. I'll take that. It's white as in spirit, isn't it? I don't know. Not white as in the colour. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, line one. What do you want? Jesus. This is why we stopped taking calls, because they were all cretins. Yes, caller? What would you like to say to, what would you like to say to Ian? What would you like to say to what would you like to say to Ian, sir? What what would you like to say to Ian, sir? What what would you like to say? What would you like to say to Ian, sir? This is why we got rid of calls, because they're all flipping idiots. This is why. This is all the, re- this is the this, reason Trump this guy, won. This guy sounds like a sex offender. He's broken Britain, that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. God. You're the reason we don't take calls anymore. 
and on it goes. All I mean, night. All all night. And the thing is, they'll phone back in a second. Of course they will. Well, oh, he's still phoning now. Yeah, jeez. People. Who's sending me this? What is this? What is someone sending me? What is someone? Dick Mills, manufacturing sound effects at the BBC's Radiophonic Workshop. Oh, hang on a minute. I'd better slow this down a bit. Oh, that's much better already. It's quite frightening. I'll add some of this to it. Let's see. Dick Mills has worked on many Doctor Who programmes, including The Talons of Wen Chiang. At the final stage of putting together the background effects and music, Dick works in close collaboration with composer Dudley Simpson. Please, Casey, remember, mum's the word. A video cassette recording of the programme is used to plan the music track. And we've got some footsteps down there, Clyde, coming along behind him. And the music goes up. And on it goes. Thank you very much for that. Let's, um... Yes, you idiot. There you go. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. How could you? Brilliant, we've got a mouse masturbating down the line. I mean... And people are going, oh, you're so, so good now you don't take calls. This what you want. Is, is this what you want? Seriously, is this hashtag, is this what you want? You want idiots like this phoning up? Um, all right, let's put it to a poll. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Is this what you want, right? Idiots like this phoning up and making absolute stupid noises down the phone, showing that they they, they should have um, they should have been executed at a very early age. God, you're a cretin. You're dumb. You're so dumb. You, I'm talking to you, the person holding the telephone. You're dumb. You make me want to puke. You make me despair for the human race. There he goes, he's off again. What an absolute bell cheese. This is everything that's wrong with humanity. God, you're stupid. Do you know how stupid you are? You don't even know how to use a telephone. There you go, put the phone down. Well, you got that bit right. Is that what you want, dear listeners? Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, we can do that. We can we can d- turn that trick easily. Really? You want? Oh yeah. Let's. I- I'll tell you what I like. Try it. I like. Um. I I like that bit where my favourite bit of the show was that bit when that idiot phoned up and didn't know how to use a telephone. That was that was what I listened to uh, the award-winning late-night alternative with Ian Lee for. That's what I listened to. Because you're an idiot, aren't you, caller? There we go. And you're an idiot, aren't you, caller? It's him again. There you go. Dolly Dickweed. Oi, you dopey git. You've never spoken to a human being, have you? Your mother hated you. Nobody likes you. 
You're an idiot. You're the dregs of society. You are everything that is wrong with this planet. Is he in the toilet? Of course he is, because he's, he's a weird little pervert that's touching his tiny little misshapen acorn walnut penis, and he's got a little finger reach. Is that what you want? Really, guys? Is it? Oh, yeah, my favourite, my favourite bit of the show was the bit when, uh, um, um, the uh, onanist phoned up and um, he kept flushing the toilet. That was my favourite bit of the show. I mean, really, guys? Is that it? Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, we can do that. That's easy. thing is, we've got certificates. We don't need to be doing that. Exactly. Um, Paul is saying, gutted you haven't read my sincere, heartfelt text messages I sent about the song request. Spent a quid on those. All right, well, let's get your quids worth. Hang on. Um, Paul, right, here we go. Hope, hoping this text gets through, please, please, please play me a song that means a lot to me. It reminds me of my childhood, and I always reminisce about the time my mum and dad would play it on a Sunday afternoon. The scent of chicken dinner and wine. Fizzy apple for me, and the delicate chimes of the church bells in the village. Right, and 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 this is the the sentimental song that Paul from South Wales want wants. It's shout by Lulu. You know why? Why? What's the first word in it? Ah, uh, t- absolute, absolute arsehole. Why has everyone got to be so cruel? Why has everyone got to be so cruel, Catherine? What is what is it about um, uh, the kind hearts and coronets that we display? on a nightly basis that means people are encouraged to act like absolute idiots and um, be mean and be mean. Is that what you want? Seriously, call me now. 0344 499 Is that what you want? Right? Is that what you want? People phoning up, making fart noises and playing the musical phone down the... Is that what you want? Because if that's what you want, I I can do that... I can do that standing on my head. No, not at the moment. Not with that. No, no. Okay. I can do that with my eyes. I'll take these. I can do that with my eyes closed. Because there's no skin. Here we go. Look. Is that, I mean, is this really, is this really the height of radiophonic ecstasy that you want to reach? You're an idiot. You make me puke. Yeah. Yeah. Grown away. Grown away, you sexual deviant. Here we go. It's getting off on those tones. Disgusting. I wonder what he's typing out. He's typing out um, uh, uh, something lewd and disgraceful. And he's getting off on it while he's wearing his mum's pants. Aren't you? Aren't you? Idiot. Um, but if that's what you want, we can provide that. We can provide that. Five we nights can, a week, we can do it. We we can do that. I mean, because um, uh, right, Paul Yandel, you're 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 in trouble. What's actually, he saying now? He's, he's just he's just carrying on. He, he, that's actually being passed to the authorities. Um, getting the police involved. I'm going to get the police involved. Um, so yeah, we can 
we can either, you know, carry on with um, treading a bold new path. And we've got more of the Tom Baker book to read, which we can read tomorrow. Or we can just have, nearly saw there, we can just have been idiots phoning up and going, oh, my, my bum, oh, I think my bum's broken, there's a hole in it. Oh, oh right, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, um, can you say well for me, well nonsense? Jesus. It just makes, I mean... uh, there's just no point to it. Oh, dear. Absolutely no point to it. That fella's calling in again. I'm not going to... I'm going to give them one more chance. Yes, Deviant? You make me puke. You make me despair. You make me want to jump off of a bridge. Craig, uh, you're, you're talking rubbish. You're getting a timeout for that on the YouTube. Um, like that. But you, caller, you make me despair. You make me um, um, want to eat my own fingers. You make me want to cut my ears off. Because you... There we go. You, I mean, Jesus. Telling me no one's ringing in saying they want this. So no. maybe there is some sense out there. Okay, fine. Good. Well, if they, if, they, um, if they don't want it, brilliant. We'll carry on the... Um, we will carry on... The high culture. The high culture. You had a chance to... Um, Uh, you've had a chance to turn it around. You've got the five minutes of the show before Paul Ross comes on at one o'clock. Four minutes of the show. If you want, if you want phone calls, because I genuinely don't know what you guys want anymore. Okay, because I'm so. If you want these stupid dumb phone calls, then oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. You've got four minutes to um, to make yourself known. Um, Hugh's saying that your reaction is fueling this. I think that's victim blaming. Who's Hugh? Hugh on here. Hugh Simpson. They are not letting the calls go through to air. What are you talking about, you idiot? I wouldn't put it past Hugh doing it. Is it you, Hugh? Right. OK, well, uh, that guy, that idiot is calling um, in again, and I'm not going to answer that. So that's actually his phone bill that he's wasting, so good for him. That's money. That money goes in. I get um, 10% of all phone calls. I should have said that, but it's not... Um, so he can he can kiss it, um, and um, there we go. Nat says thank you, Nat. Uh, so he said, I definitely don't want fart noises for three hours. If I want is that I download a fart machine. Well, or listen to a sports bar. Yeah, that's that's possible. Yeah, they do that a lot actually. Don't All they? the time. Um, so uh, okay, so fine. Well, that's one vote to carry on with the, the bold new path that we are we are following and that is uh, this is great news so that shows me it shows me i'm doing it i'm yeah. doing it right yeah doing it right man feels so good feels so good a museum dedicated to the sausage dog with 2000 exhibits including a giant golden dachshund statue Opened in Passau, Germany. I mean, what, a museum purely of the ducks hunt. I like them. I think they're a design classic. But have you ever tried to stroke one? No. Oh, you virtually you wouldn't be able to manage it. Certainly not with that neck. You got to go low. Oh, you you go in so low. You've got to it's go like low. stroke limbo. Um, Hugh Simpson, you're getting a timeout on, on your.
on YouTube. I don't. I'm not. Incredible. I'm not having that. He's. Uh, he's. Um, he's. Uh, yeah. He's. He's victim blaming. Victim blaming. Victim shaming. And uh, all those things. We certainly. We certainly will not be having that uh, anymore. We will not be having that anymore. Is the ducks? Is the dachshund? The yeah. dachshund. Yeah. The sausage dog. Mm-hmm. Is that? A pure is that a pure breeder? Is that that's that, a pedigree dog? Yeah. No, but has that been bred? Of course it has. Genetically, I mean, was it like a mixture of a long dog and a tiny dog and a tiny dog? Mm. Is that how they do it? Yeah, that is, isn't it? Pretty much. Which is why I think we should get rid of all dogs because none of them are actual. None of them are real. You know, none of them are. None of them now exist in the format that God created. Let's just go wolf. Yeah, or, or... Start again. Coyote. I've, I've been really enjoying saying coyote recently instead of coyote. I can see why. Um, it's definitely the uh, the way forward, I think. Mm. Uh, well, dear listener, that's it. We're done for the night. Um, so thank you uh, uh, very much indeed for... Um, not for everyone who called in and managed to hack the system. Up yours, the laws. That's outrageous. But thank you very much for your patience and thank you very much for your listening and uh, uh, for all of your texts and tweets tomorrow's gonna be another day guys tomorrow i'm introducing virtual reality headsets to a six and an eight-year-old it's gonna blow their tiny fr- oh tomorrow i'm looking at houses let's, let's talk about that we'll talk about that tomorrow tomorrow I'm, I'm actually going to look at houses to buy on my own you're gonna go incognito um yeah I, i'm gonna i think i'm after wear, wear, wear glasses or something i don't know I don't know. It's, it's a weird old time, isn't it? It's a weird old time. Uh, dear listener, that is it. That is your lot. We are done. Thank you very much indeed. We will be back tonight at 10 o'clock. Don't forget, you can go and download the podcast from iTunes or your usual podcast provider. Paul Ross will be up next. Ta-ta!